This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crange. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, and welcome once again to the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Crate alongside, as always, a man who has achieved godlike status, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? That's just what you're going with every week now, huh? Just I like it. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I did King of Banter for a while, and now I, I like that one. I, something will change. The new year will inspire me to change, but um, that's that's the leader in the clubhouse right now. That's my favorite nickname of yours. All right, now, and, inspi- okay. and it inspires. Like, we have listeners all the time now. They're, they, you know. They tell you, you've achieved godlike. I mean, they, they like it. It rallies the troops a little bit, so I'm fine with it. I mean, I've got plenty to choose from. I'm just letting you know. I know, yeah, I know. But some of them are uh, some are janky, some are old, like the Forbes.com one, or you just say Forbes or whatever, even though it was clearly Forbes.com, and it was like clearly just like the contributor end. Of, like, some are a little loose, whereas, the, you know, the guy like status one, you know, that, that's hard to really argue. It, it, it's, it's nebulous I, enough that, like, yeah. Was I or was I not quoted on Forbes? <laughs> A version of Forbes, yes. Listen, no qualifiers. <laughs> okay, I, all I, right. See, that's why I see. I in my head, I know that there's qualifiers to it, so that's why I don't. I don't necessarily uh, like that one nearly as much. The escort on BBC Radio, though, I should use that one a lot more because that is a hundred percent truth. When 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 Hulk Hogan's out there making racist rants, they they needed a, a, a voice, a voice of wrestling, Joe, to go out there and yeah. talk about this huge news story, and they chose you. So that that is undeniable. I should go with that one a little bit more. I yeah, that's right. You can't deny that I was on BBC Radio going out to millions of listeners. That's an undeniable fact. They came to me. I didn't go to them. You see? And they could have went to anybody. They could have went to Dave Meltzer. They could have went to Ryan Satin. They could have went to uh Wade Keller. Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson, Larry Zonka. You you, you pick your name. Rich Krejci. Uh they, you know, they could have went to any of these people. They could have went to uh 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 Think of an who's another one? They could have went to uh, who's the five moves of doom guy? Uh, Scott uh, Keith. Scott Keith. They yeah. went to Scott Keith, right? I don't know if he would have been very relevant in this <laughs> yeah, yeah, era, but they could have went to Scott. But they came to Joe Lanza. But you can keep, you know, you use the same. All right, I'll, I'll okay. switch it up. You, you, you won't know. It'll just happen when I, when I switch it up. But uh, so we have a lot to talk to uh, talk about this week. Tons of stuff to get into. Uh, in, in terms of the world of wrestling, shows that we watch and, and news stories and this sort of stuff. Um, this is our final show before Christmas. Obviously, Christmas going on next week, next Wednesday. Uh, so our final show before Christmas. We're not going to do the the tip. We've done the, the hey, Joe, what's your Christmas song? All that bullshit a lot of times. I, I, I do have a little bit of a question, though, because I do remember last year. Correct me if I'm wrong. Last year was when you built the playset. It was like kind of a, a, a like an oven kitchen playset. For one of the kids, is that correct? Was that last year or was that two years ago that I'm thinking about that? That was last year. Okay, how is that going? Is, is are, are we do we still like that toy? Is the toy still functioning? Like I I, I just immediately popped in my head. It was like, oh yeah, Joe spent like day and night trying to get that thing together before Christmas. How did that go? Yeah, I it was a kitchen set. It was like a 
kitchen sets. Yeah, like two burners on there too. Yeah, it was pretty good. It had like an oven, <laughs> two burners. Pretty detailed. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's still going strong. It is in the girls' room, and each birthday and holiday, she gets things to add to it. More fake food gimmicks, more like fake appliances. She got a blender in there. She got uh, all kinds of shit. Um, so it, it gets used. She puts on her little apron. Oh, good. Okay. She makes me some fake food items. I got to pretend to eat them, you know. Um, what I do, I do a gimmick where she'll hand me a fake food item and I'll fake eat it and then I'll spit it out and tell her it tastes bad. She gets a real kick out of that, you know. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like back in the kitchen. This is awful. You got to work on this one. And, uh, you know, she calls me an idiot and goes back in there and laughs. And it's a fantastic game. But, yeah, the kitchen set is uh, – it, it's it's yeah it's still going strong oh, yeah i was worried because I, I get worried about big things like that big gifts like that that you know you spend all that time you're ready to give it and it's like you know one day it gets used and like it just sits there and it collects dust and now we're like clothes are hanging on it or whatever but i'm glad to hear uh it's going strong a year later so yeah it sucks you put in all that effort they play with it for two days and then you know yeah that that does happen to a lot you never know with these toys you know these kids they have short attention spans. yeah what's gonna land what's gonna stay you know what's good what's what's is there a uh I don't know. I, I don't know if you're allowed to say right now, but is there a uh, a toy planned, a big toy planned this year for any of the kids? Ah, the wife handles that. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you knew last year. How do you not know this year? Well, because I had to build the damn thing. I think we actually. So, I think we recorded that show like two days before Christmas last year. Yeah. So like you were like, hey, the second the show's done, I got to go build that shit. So it's like ready to go. Or we recorded on like the day before Christmas. Yeah, I think it was two days before Christmas, if I remember correctly. So the, okay. So so as of right now, you're not sure. You might have something to build, but you don't know yet. I haven't been told that I'm building anything. Okay. And so it, it's the it 19th, nice so I think, yeah. I think I'm in the clear. But, um, yeah, like, like you know, TLB will tell me what she's getting them, and I, I'm i not listening, Rich. I got to be honest. You know, <laughs> you, I, got you, know, wa- you got Wofford and Duke on the TV. You don't care. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I've been told what they're getting. I mean, the boy is really into Spider-Man right now. Okay. So he's got I know he's getting all kinds of spider-man gimmicks but I you know I don't I couldn't tell you I'll, I'll be when they open it I'll find out <laughs> You're that that's that was my dad always whoa hey nice gift that's awesome <laughs> like you know that's sometimes you know there was there was a while where he would he would get you know he would get the gifts and all that sort of stuff and then it became a little bit later in life where I was just like oh wow cool like, news yeah. to me I didn't know I was gonna get that or you know we go to our family and they would open their gifts and he would be like who's that from and I'd be like oh that's ours he's like oh yeah okay <laughs> like you know yeah, just that no sort clue. of gimmick yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah. I, don't, um, I don't care. I'm watching the fucking bears. I don't give a shit. So exactly, uh, which I, I appreciate that. But uh, the, the reason I did ask that is so this is our final show before Christmas, and Joe. Apparently, we have been very, very naughty this year because all we got was just shit after shit after shit of pro wrestling this week and this weekend. The ungodly amount of just shit ass wrestling that we forced ourselves to watch this weekend. Is this has got to change, Joe? This has got to change. I don't know what we're gonna have to do in 2020, but I can't have weekends like this again. This um, is, so, shit, <laughs> so much shit this weekend. I'm so down on the wrestling right now. I hate it. I didn't want to even do the show. Like, like Tuesday, I'm watching fucking Final Battle, and I'm like, this sucks. I hate this. I don't want to do this anymore. Thank God. Thank God for Dragon Gate, uh, and 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 New Japan and Wrestle Kingdom on the horizon. And some things out there that that I hope will, will, will kind of cleanse us a little bit. Dragon Gate did help a little bit. Hopefully, Wrestle yeah. Kingdom will help a lot. Um, I really expected to sit down on Wednesday and say, ah, you know what? <laughs> All that shit last weekend, whatever. 
Who cares about PCO getting charged up by a car battery and all this other bullshit and the Fiend and all the garbage on TLC? I got AEW and I got NXT. And then, Joe, <laughs> I got AEW. The end of AEW, the Dark Order, a bunch of fat geeks in bodysuits beating up all the stars. One of the Jacksons, I think, Matt, bleeding from his mouth. Evil Uno yeah. doing evil laughs. Ho, 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 ho. How cringe! <laughs> microphone. I wanted to. I, I, Joe. I, 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 as I was watching it, I could just feel your blood pressure rising as Evil Uno goes, oh, ho, 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 ho. like evil <laughs> laugh guy. It's like, oh my god, I hate wrestling. <laughs> wrestling sucks. It's so bad. How cringe was the evil laugh? It was just the icing on the cake. Oh, god. How do you let that on your TV? How does Tony <laughs> Khan let that on his TV? Like, all right, the Bucks. We all know that they, they're they into the goofy shit. You could totally see why they might be into something like that. It's probably their damn idea because it's their pals. How, if you're Tony Khan, you talk all this shit about Mid-South wrestling and ECW arena regular when you're fucking 12 years old and newsletter reader and I'm not going to let that stuff on my – remember the interview, Rich? I'm not going to let that stuff on my TV. They can do whatever they want. I'm being the elite. I'm in control of my show. If you're Tony Khan, how do you let that bullshit fucking segment on your TV and then leave people with that image for two weeks? Yeah, that's the thing, too. That's that's even the more perplexing thing about it is when it was over, I'm realizing that's it. That's all we have for the rest of the year. That is the the final scene of AEW in their inaugural year or whatever. They're, you know, capping off the year where they, you know, came into being 2019 is. Some fucking geek in a bodysuit ripping at Matt's mouth as it's bleeding as they go off the air and everyone laughs. laughs. Matt Jackson getting his tongue ripped out. Is that what that was supposed to be? I, like- I guess. Or his, yeah, I don't know if it was his tongue ripped out or his mouth bleeding or whatever. At a certain point, I just stopped even like paying attention to the minutia and the details because it's like, I don't, I, this is so beyond. Yeah, the, the lasting image is, you know, the Beaver Boys, <laughs> you know, getting their Dark Order masks. And it's like, what? Yeah, what happened to this company? Like, what the hell is going on with AEW? I know you did it on the TV reviews, Patreon.com/slash Voice of Wrestling. Um, I don't know how much energy you have to do it again, and we're not because we have so much else to cover that yeah. I don't think we have to do it again. But it, it, it's to me, and I think I think you nailed it. We talked about it on those TV reviews is that in a vacuum, this Dark Order thing, whatever. I would probably let it go. It'd just be whatever. It, it, it's a stupid angle, a stupid gimmick. It's in your main event. It probably shouldn't be in your main event. Whatever. But the problem is it, it, it's one more thing to add onto a just a growing pile of absolute garbage that, that AEW has been giving us lately I, I, on TV. You have in that same show, as you said, Chris Statlander, the alien on that show. You have the inset promos that nobody can hear, <laughs> which is just – yeah, that's WCW stuff where it's like they go to commercial and then you're, you're seeing guys on a, on a small screen talk, but you can't hear those guys and they come back from commercial and nobody mentions what was said during that inset and they never go back to it. They never replay it. You never know what happens. It's like, oh, okay, that's fine. As you said, Michael Nakazawa, kidnapped, dead, tortured. I, who knows? He, we, we kind of, I think, saw him and then we didn't see him and then we never followed up with that again. Yeah. We don't know what Pac did to Nakazawa. Yeah, maybe he went in there and... <laughs> Maybe he asked him what he was listening to on his little fucking whatever, you know, his, his, his earbuds there. Maybe they jammed out to some music. We don't know. I mean, Kenny Omega didn't seem too concerned when he ran out for the final segment. No, yeah, I mean, he did. Yeah, water under the bridge. I'll get my friend later. But right now I got to deal with this, the Dark Order guys. And yeah. for, for some reason I have to deal with this. Like, right. For, I mean, 
you know, and then you got whatever it is Brandy's doing. Oh and is <laughs> she a is, witch? Is she a sorceress? What is she? I don't, I don't know. Sure. And like you said, um, all these things individualized would be like, all right, well, whatever. It, it's And that's how it was for the first few weeks of AEW. There was some stuff that just didn't quite land. We talked about the Dark Order when it initially came out. It was like, all right, this isn't landing. Go back to the drawing board. It's not working. Okay, but they were like the lone thing for a while on that show. The librarians, when they first popped up on, on the pay-per-views, we said, all right, look, this gimmick sucks. As long as it's on dark and being the elite or whatever the hell, and we don't have to see it on the TV, that's fine. And, and largely, it really hasn't been a big part of their TV. But little by little, for whatever reason, these last three, four weeks or whatever, it has just been one after the other. And you watch the show. And you watch the show under the uh, assumption of what, again, like you're, it's not Joe and Rich and what we wanted AEW to be. It's what Tony fucking Khan told us the show was going to be. It's That's what right. Cody told us the show was going to be. Like, so all you want, people can say, oh, Joe and Rich, they like the show this way, or this is their opinion, or whatever. It, they told us that this show was going to be sports based, wins and loss records, you know, matches were going to matter, title matches were going to be based off wins and loss records. And we got a sorceress, an alien, a dinosaur, and a fucking cult full of fat guys in bodysuits. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, the problem here is, look, you know, if if the two-hour show is going to have one or two cringy things, that's one thing. But every week there's another red flag. Every week something else that runs against the grain of what they told us it was going to be pops up on the show. They told us they were going to, quote, change the world. They said that. Tony Khan did an interview almost three hours with Wade Keller. And said, I have a vision of what pro wrestling television is going to be, and it's going to be A, B, C, and D. He told us that. We didn't assume that. Cody has said things. The Bucks and Omega haven't said those things because they're probably the perpetuators of these awful ideas. Yeah, I, I think, I think I'm were- about ready. I think I'm about ready to, to, to point – like because you see the stuff with Cody, and 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 as, as you've pointed out and we've talked about since the beginning of, of, of really AEW – is anything that Cody's involved in or adjacent to is pretty good. There's some misses. There's some things that don't quite land or whatever. But for the most part, I'm, I'm into everything that Cody's been doing so far in AEW. He's one of the three, really one of the three aspects of AEW that I really think is, 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 is still good and I still enjoy it, it, is Cody stuff. The other two is Darby Allen and Chris Jericho are the other two guys that I think are just nailing uh, yeah. their segments and nailing their characters and whatnot. There's probably some others that I enjoy as well. But those three really stand out to me as like, okay. Those guys have been good. I guess Moxley can add to that too. I've liked a lot of what Moxley's done as well, but he seems kind of speaking like speaking of which. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you finish your point. But speaking of which, what do you think he thinks of this stuff after all the complaints he had of where he came from? I mean, it's rhetorical, but but yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine he's totally like, yeah, this is awesome, man. Like, I mean, he's not. To be fair, he's not involved in any of it. They have kept you know him I mean? away from it, but still, like, I. I the, the problem, and, and, and I assume that a lot of these guys have this feeling, and I, I would love to know, and uh, obviously we, we have no clue, but I would love to know if it's like, a, if it's truly an all-in aspect, where like everybody is like, yeah, everything is all, yeah, that's great, oh, that's cool, like, is it something where they, or like, do you go backstage and pock and mock, so like, what the fuck is this shit? Like, nah, you know what I mean, they're listen, sitting there back uh, by a monitor going, what the hell are we doing here? Now like, listen, the, the honeymoon inevitably always ends, and I'm sure that there's debate and push and pull, and, you know, for some of the guys that are just talent, you know, you just got to do what you're told and you can speak when your contract comes up. But, you know, as far as that room where they're coming up with ideas, but again, I put it on con. I mean, you know, he, he, 
he's the final say. He's the Vince McMahon. I mean, ultimately, but if he's not, what, he should be. If he's not, he should be. I think that's correct. that's an important thing. And, like, and we're not saying that he has to be the micromanager of Vince McMahon and and rip up every script or whatever. But you need some guy to go, okay, yay, nay, yeah, that's good, yeah, that's not. And you know, honestly, there's probably nobody better in that company right now based off what we've seen so far, then, then maybe him to be the filter. He doesn't have to be the guy that comes up with every idea, but maybe somebody to filter it out. Maybe somebody somebody to kind of have that final word, that final say, that final look or whatever, because you just need somebody to do that. Because one of the biggest issues I've had with the show as of late, as we go on just like kind of this mini rant about it, but it deserves it because it, it fucking, you know, it, it, it's, it's been really destroyed lately. And, and that's the biggest complaint is it's like, it just feels like just random segments. Just to, it doesn't feel like a together show. It feels like this is this, this is these guys. That's and they the problem is they try to like interweave these stories too, but they do such a terrible job of it that it does it feels even more disjointed because of that. And 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 that's been my big issue is it it feels like four different people or five different people or whatever coming up with ideas where every segment nothing really feels like it's together with the other segment. This 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 women's match you saw feels like it's completely different than the, like and and yeah variety is good and and you know that sort of stuff is fine but like it the show needs to have a consistent look feel voice direction something and it just it just doesn't and especially being there live a few weeks ago it just felt like that it felt like just random segments thrown together to collect you know to create this two-hour tv show and it it, it's 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 been a tough watch as of late it really has you said something in there that was interesting let me ask you a question is variety good or is that something that again we've been told for 20 years and it just becomes shit people say is variety good or is having an identity and being something good? Because I don't know if variety is good. I don't know if I want to turn on a wrestling show and get goofy supernatural shit and then super serious old school territory shit and comedy. I don't know if I want variety. Right, right. Is I, that I, just something that we say? I think and it I'm is. Not, I'm yeah, not singling, yeah, yeah. I'm not singling you out because I've said it too. But this idea that wrestling should be a variety show, who says? I'll tell you who says. WWE says. And again, change the world. We're going to be different. We're going to do it different. We're not going to do what they do. Then why are you doing a variety show? Yeah. Why, That's why? their mantra. They think they try to serve all masters and really satisfy none. Why would you follow that? Which leads into the bigger issue problem that I have with them, which I screamed about behind the paywall, which I recommend everybody pay for. Pay to $5 and listen to that show. And then just cancel if you want. But listen to that. Because um, I, I really feel like I nailed all the points I wanted to nail. But my, my And it really was tremendous audio. I'm a humble man, Rich. But that was tremendous audio. I, I, I have to admit it was pretty damn good audio. I can't, <laughs> I can't deny it. So it was good Incredible audio. audio. I, I'm great at the audio. But my, my bigger picture issue with this company is they, they've told us they're going to do things differently and change the world. But with each progressive week – it's the same old shit that you can see on USA and Fox. Right. What do I need them for? If I want to if I want to see something like The Dark Order, I have Bray Wyatt. If I want dumb comedy, I I have WWE loads me up with that. Um so they're not doing anything drastically different at this point when they present us with shit like that. Right. And and, 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 and it's very disappointing. It's, yeah. it's disappointing is is it because it started off so well, and no, it was never perfect, and there were bumps, and there were crit- there's always going to be criticisms, but they really did start off. I mean that, you know, I remember talking about was it all out or was it, 
yeah, all out. Or right? double or nothing, like, maybe is the one you're thinking. Double about. or nothing, maybe. Yeah. Where I was like, wow, this feels like when WCW before they went off the rails. It feels different, and I was so excited about it. And it's like they've slowly gotten away from that to where now this is just Turner's version of what I feel like I can see on USA or Fox. And I now listen. With all of that said, Rich. Aside from the final segment, I, I kind of liked this week's episode. It wasn't my favorite, but it wasn't my least favorite. And I think it's still worlds better than what Raw and SmackDown are giving me. But there's so many red flags. My issue is the red flags popping up. Mm-hmm. All of the shit that we were concerned with before they started that we thought would seep in and weren't seeping in in the beginning are seeping in now. And if Tony Khan is listening, and there's an outside chance that he is – Okay, Um, my advice would be get control of the room and get control of your money. You are the boss. You have the final say. I feel like what we're seeing as the final product is a result of Tony Khan losing control of the room, paying these people. It's your money. It's your ass on the line. Take control. Cut out the bad idea. The shit that you know is bad, and I know he thinks nobody. Yeah, if if anybody, there are there are people in that room that thought that this Dark Order thing was good. Yeah, and there are people that didn't think that was good. You know what I mean? Like there's there's no way that was a unified front, and those people that didn't think it's good need to stand up and go, no, 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 we're not doing that. We're not. That's not a closing angle on our show. That's not an angle on our show whatsoever. To have all of our stars get their asses kicked by a bunch of geeks in bodysuits. Yeah, and an evil Uno and an evil cult or whatever, and it, it's it, there's five evil like cult things going on. We got the Butcher and the Blade thing where they're leathery and evil, and we got the Brandy Witch Sorcerer, whatever the fuck thing that is. We got this thing. It's like how much do you need? Like how much? How much of the same stuff do we need to have on the same show? And again, if you have one, you can eye roll it and and just live with it for 15 minutes every two weeks. All right, that's the part of the show I don't like. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, but there's so much now seeping in, you know? And and I think, how much of this do you think is Tony Khan knowing that a lot of this isn't for him and isn't for a lot of the audience, but thinking it's best for the overall audience, so it's best for business to, to, to do some of this shit? Do you think there's some of that in play as well? Like, okay, I don't like this, but it's not 1979 anymore, so we have to be forward-thinking, and maybe something like the Dark Order does capture a certain segment of the audience, and we should do that. you think there's any there's some of that to this? Because like you, I feel like there's people in that room that know this shit is dumb. I If you, got, if you gave Cody truth serum, he doesn't like this. I, I, don't, I don't have any doubts that he thinks this is dumb as shit. And counterproductive. So, how much of that do you think is is part of this? Uh, I so I, I, I've had a little thought over the last few days uh, about this, especially after watching this angle and, and and you know kind of figuring out the differences right now between you know NXT and AEW on Wednesdays and and the differences between Dynamite and, and Raw and SmackDown and that sort of stuff. And and one thing, like I don't give this guy a ton of credit because he's kind of a fraud, but but there is some things that this guy said in the past. And Eric Bischoff always talks about when he started Nitro and really started getting going with WCW and they started gaining some steam or whatever that he had like a whiteboard or he had a note list and said, okay, here's what WWF does on their show. And I want to make sure whatever they do, I want to do the opposite. I want to be different. They're taped. We're live. They got a bunch of big lumbering guys. We have cruiserweights. You know, they do this. We do this. Paul Hammond always talks about the same as well. 
is yeah. why am I going to be a second rate WWF? I'm going to be a first rate whatever I'm going to be. You know, accentuate right. the positives, hide the negatives. We can't do what they do in this, but that's fine. We're going to give them this. We're going to have better promos. We're going to have raunchier angles, that sort of stuff. We're going to have hardcore matches. They don't do that stuff. We do it. We want to be the best at that. We want to be the best at what we do well. And I, I don't know if this, I, I again, complete speculation on my part. I have no idea if this is exactly what they've done or, or, or whatnot. But, and, and I'm curious on your thoughts if you think there's anything to this theory is I think when they initially set out with AEW and the initial stuff that we saw from AEW, it was it did feel, as you said, that first show, the double or nothing, a few of the first, you know, pay-per-views and a few of the first dynamites felt like an alternative to Raw and SmackDown. Raw and SmackDown is goofy, dumb shit, and yada yada yada, and we're wins and loss records and wrestlers and and these top stars and 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 Joshi talent and and that sort of stuff. It felt different. It felt like an alternative to Raw and SmackDown. But I do wonder, and 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 this is where maybe like you're saying that 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 maybe there's some thought of oh we need to we actually need to go this direction because this is the best way to go. Is 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 there anything to the idea that maybe they look at at, at NXT, their direct competitor on Wednesday, and go, well NXT's got better wrestling than we do, and a better women's division than we do, and better pure whatever than we do. So we're gonna go in this direction. We're gonna be that alternative to NXT. That maybe they're not thinking about the alternative to Raw and SmackDown anymore, which they should. They shouldn't be fucking worrying about NXT. They shouldn't be. But I do wonder, because we have seen a ramp-up of the bullshit, a ramp-up of this weird sort of backstage stuff, a ramp-up of the weird cult characters, a back-up of quote-unquote character development, which we'll talk about again, where there wasn't that initially. It didn't feel like that initially. Initially, it did feel like a difference, an alternative, uh, whatever, to Raw and SmackDown, whereas now I, I, I really truly wonder if they look at what NXT has done and said, okay, look, they got better, you know, wrestlers. They can have better in-ring matches than maybe we can or whatever. I don't agree with that, but whatever. If that's what you want to say or whatever. And and they have better women than us, so we need to go a different direction than NXT. We need to be an alternative to NXT because we can't deliver the things that they deliver. I, I sincerely hope that's not the case because you got to look at the big picture. Don't be fighting NXT. No, it's possible what you're saying. I I, I think it's just more of the bad ideas are starting to seep through. Whereas they weren't in the early going, but but there's no question. I think that they're starting to get more bogged down in winning week to week and winning quarter to quarter. Just look at the the way this this week was structured. Okay, NXT announces that Cole and Balor is going to be commercial free and open the show. AEW counters by putting Kenny Omega and the Lucha Brothers in the opening quarter and also announcing it's going to be commercial free to open the show. The, the, the after that they come right out with Cody. What do they come out with at the top of the hour? Jericho. What do they put in their main event? Uh, the Young Bucks. Right. Okay. They're structuring – and remember in the early days of this, they didn't seem to be worrying about that kind of stuff. They were, We used to come on here and talk about they're just doing their show and they're letting the chips fall where they may. And NXT were the ones stacking their shows and doing things strategically and adding an overrun and, and bringing AJ Styles in and, and – and AEW was just doing their show. But now they're countering NXT. They're strategically placing their stars for, to maximize. And they're and, and I do feel like they're starting to get bogged down in the week-to-week meaningless war. And ultimately, it's meaningless. NXT finally won a week this week. But, Rich, AEW might run off another 12 in a row. You know what I mean? It's like it doesn't matter week-to-week. It's fun to talk about. And it, it, it makes us money because, you know, we, we drum up subscribers because people want to hear us talk about it and stuff. But it's like in the big picture, though, you're right. They shouldn't be worrying about it. So whether it's your theory, let's be different than them, or 
whether it's just a case of trying to match what NXT is doing to win every single quarter hour, I, I do think they're paying more attention to NXT and they shouldn't. They need to worry about themselves and putting on the best show possible. There was also a concern that we had initially, and, and I guess we need to address that one as well. And 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 it felt like it was it felt like a problem at the beginning, and it feels you know now and more. It, it, it's not even like it doesn't feel like a problem. It is absolutely a problem. Is is you know the Bucks, Omega, Cody to a lesser extent, those guys sacrificing their star power to try to get other guys over. And and again, like they're very selfless guys. That that has always been their mo. The Bucks, you know, will will do anything they can to get other guys over. They, they we talk about it, you know, for years that you know whether they won or lost the match really didn't matter. It was kind of just I'm there to have a good match and get both teams over and all that sort of stuff. And and we know Omega's a guy who can be selfless at times as well, and he has been a lot in AEW. You know, as they're kind of eventually probably building towards him going to the title. I guess I don't know anymore. But like the problem, I, it, it's just. We've reached a point now where I don't know that beating those guys means anything anymore. I don't know if, if SCU beating the Young Bucks helped them at all anymore. And the idea that we're there 12 whatever weeks in is is astonishing because that is the backbone of this company is the Bucks and Omega and Cody and to a lesser extent Jericho are the backbone of this company. And those guys have been beaten down, backstage beat downs, thrown through tables, pinned in the middle of the ring, this, that. that. I mean, how at some point, you, you, those guys have to be the stars. The, the the reason the company started over those guys is because they're the stars, and I admire their tenacity. I admire them trying to get other guys over, but at certain points, it's going to be detrimental to all overall star power of the entire company, especially if those guys that you're trying to get over don't get over, and that's where I feel like we're at with the Bucks, especially. The Bucks and Omega and those sort of guys is like, losses to them don't matter anymore. They just lose all the time now. That aura is kind of gone from those guys. And I did not think we'd have that conversation 12 weeks into AEW is that they're just kind of dudes on the roster right now. Yeah, I think that it's obvious there was some sensitivity to how people would react if they pushed themselves too hard. I think that's obvious. Oh, sure. Um, you know, and it's kind of swung in the other direction. Now, those those guys still headline and main event and all that, um, but they do eat a lot of L's. I'm not as negative on, on the booking of Omega – and the Bucks and that I, – I know where people are coming from, but I feel like people know that they're the stars and they can turn it on at any time. I, I still feel like that. I don't think – I haven't reached a point where I think they've killed them dead or I, – I just – I don't buy into that. Not yet. I might get there, but I'm, I'm not ready for that because I still see the main eventing and, and popping quarter hours and, and main eventing. You know, Omega has headlined, what, two pay-per-views. So it's like – for all the talk of Kenny Omega, they're not doing anything with him. I mean, they, he's still at the top of the card. When it yeah, I, I think I think Omega's less than the Bucks. I really do think the Bucks booking is, has been pretty perplexing. But yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I you know I, I don't disagree, but I, I just I feel like it's an overcorrection because listen, if they came out and the Bucks were the tag champs and Omega was uh, you know uh, headlining TV every week and winning all the time and and what they're doing with Cody, you know what the reaction, and they didn't want to deal with that. Well, yeah, fuck the, you and, know, and that's, and at some that's point, dumb. I know that's it, dumb. It Those dumb. are stars. You, Push you your stars. Yes. Who cares you what the dorks the on Twitter are going to have to say? Yeah, fuck. Yeah. I agree. I agree. You, you do have to, at some point, just ignore the noise and do what's best. Um, You know, so yeah, they, they, look, I do think that's a minor issue. I do. Anything else on this uh, AW before we get to the other <laughs> shit show that was no, I just, this wrestling know, weekend? <laughs> yeah. The only other point, and I kind of tried to make this point behind the paywall, but it's like 
don't throw roses in NXT. I mean, they basically ran a takeover out there and did the same numbers they always do, which to me is a little concerning too. Um, you know, they did 795,000 viewers in a 0.27 with a loaded – with a sh- you can't load NXT more than they loaded it up this week without using Raw and SmackDown talent, right? I mean you can't. Oh, yeah. For, in, and, in terms of pure NXT quote-unquote talent, whether you want to call Balor or whatever at this point, he's, he's kind of been established NXT. I mean this was as loaded a show as you're going to get. Yeah, the, o- the only match that didn't have like – insane star power or, or, or pretty big star power on both ends was Io Shirai and, and Santana Garrett and that you know Io Shirai is a pretty big deal and that was just there to kind of establish her but yeah that was a tremendous stacked show that was a takeover it was it was literally a takeover show on on that week and that's why yeah, I haven't talked much about him like I, I I enjoyed NXT this week a lot and the main event I really liked uh, a lot as well but yeah it's it's hard to really say oh yeah they really delivered because they they didn't they kind of like to me, it's more AEW shitting the bed than it is NXT really yes. grabbing the, the bull by the horns. Like, they're fine. They're kind of doing their thing or whatever, but they're kind of letting it. And that's the that's the more frustrating part is it's like NXT isn't really growing. NXT isn't really doing a whole lot that's like, oh, man, wow, they're really changing the game. They're just not shitting the bed, and AEW is out here doing whatever the fuck they're doing. AEW is stepping on their own dick. I mean, NXT, you know, a 795 and a .27 wasn't good enough to beat AEW six weeks ago. I mean, NXT was out here doing – just three weeks ago, they did 845,000 viewers in a .29. The week before that, they did 916,000 viewers in a .3. They did a .3 two weeks before that. You know, and, and this week's number is basically the same as the number they did last week where they started to come down from the Survivor Series high that they had. So it's like to me, that's concerning for NXT, but that's not going to be the story because of how poorly AEW did. But that's a story too. And we're down below 1.5 million total viewers on Wednesday nights as well. And look, I know the impeachment stuff had something to do with it. But, I mean, listen, this isn't like some big fucking throw parade victory for NXT. I mean, they did the same fucking mediocre numbers they did the week before. This is more AEW's drop. Right. So I thought that and, – and, and, and doing a stacked-ass show. It, they, they stacked the shit out of their show and, 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 and they, they got a 2% bump to show for it that's concerning to me they're losing all of that momentum that they had coming out of survivor series why i don't know should they push keith lee harder i don't know the answers and this isn't the show for that i do that show on thursdays patreon.com slash voices wrestling but you know something happened where they have clearly lost all of that survivor series momentum don't let that get lost in this this was not good news for anyone in my opinion yeah, it really wasn't, and and that's you know, and and that's where again, like I said, when you look at AEW, it's and 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 whether you whether you're buying to like my theory that they're looking to be an alternative to NXT or your theory that they're they're clearly counter programming NXT, like WWE's winning in that sense that AEW is now no matter what way you you slice it, they care about NXT, they care about the weekly, they, they care about the the ratings, they care about the quarter hours, they care what NXT's doing, they're counter programming that sort of stuff. So they've gotten in their head, they've gotten what they needed out of it. But like you're saying, that the bigger picture story is like nobody's really watching any wrestling on Wednesday. It's like nobody gives a shit about wrestling on Wednesdays. It's like this small slice of this pie that we're everyone's fighting over and doing all this sort of stuff for. And it's like, can we? It, it, nobody's growing, and it's like it's 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 bad. I mean, yeah, I know this week had you know the impeachment, and all that sort of stuff, but still, like it, it is, it's just yeah. But but it's, there's no doubt that AEW is yeah stepping on their own dick, whatever you want to say about it, because it has just been yeah. We need we need two weeks off to see what they kind of come back with in the new year. But God, I hope that this is a wake up call. But I mean, <laughs> speaking of dicks, Rich, did you know that support for the Voices of Wrestling flagship comes from Manscaped? 
who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision, engineered tools for your family jewels. Rich, have you ever nipped your balls while trying to uh, shave up down there? I have. You know, I use sometimes I've used like because I have like, you know, hair trimmers or, you know, and I've tried down there and it just, yeah, it's it's not good. It's bad. It's bleeding. It's weird. And, and now it hurts. And if you wanted to, you know, do some work that night, it's probably not going to work as well. Yeah, it's a disaster. It's a fucking train wreck. Thank God, Manscapes. Do some work that night. Is that what you call it? Maybe. I don't know. What, what, yeah, you know. You call it work, huh? I don't know. All right, here we go. <laughs> uh, that fucking nurse is fired up again. Uh, I, I guess it's our anniversary. May as well. <laughs> uh, you know. Anyway, jingle <laughs> balls to the walls, fellas. Listen up. Your untrimmed pubes are a thing of the past. I know mine are. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. And I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. Manscaped, they've got the redesigned electric trimmer. trimmer. It's the Lawnmower 2.0. It's proprietary advanced skin-safe technology. This trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts the way that Rich just described. And it'll allow you to go to work on your significant other. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. Did you know that, Rich? I did. I tried it out. In the I, shower. I, we, we have got, had that copy a few times, and I was like, is that really true? I'm not buying it. I buy it, Joe. I did it. It works. It works well because it's good. While you're in the shower, you're doing all the other stuff anyway. You're getting all clean. It's perfect. It was it – was, because, it, yeah, I'm not bringing – like the other one I have to plug into the wall. Like I'm not bringing that one into the shower, obviously. That is a bad idea. The Manscaped trimmer you can use in the shower, and it works perfectly. I recommend the shower technology if you're going to do that. Perfect. That's right. And the Lawnmower 2.0 comes inside the Perfect Package 2.0, which makes for a perfect gift this holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelly nights down there. The ball deodorant, Rich – is a popular product in this house. I know TLB loves it. She's got me using it all over my body. That's, She's like, that's an interesting thing. Yeah, you told me that. It's it's not only for the balls, too. You're using it everywhere, right? Ears, nose. Yeah, the ball deodorant. She's like, she's got me rubbing it into my chest, on my neck. She just loves the way it smells, in addition to the way it makes my balls smell, too. So, uh, you know, that ball deodorant's a tremendous product. Uh, and listen, nobody wants to use the same trimmer on your face that you're using on your balls. I mean, it's, it's disgusting. You know, you want to have two separate, so, you know, you get this lawnmower 2.0 and then you don't have to use the same razor that you're using on your face. You know, speaking of sweaty and stinky balls, uh, you know, they got the Crop Reviver. And this product, along with the Crop Preserver, keeps your balls from sweating, smelling, and stinking. Nobody wants that. All of these products smell good. The Perfect Package will also come with a pair of Manscaped Boxer Briefs. That will keep your junk feeling fresh all day. How much stuff is in this package? This, I was going to say, like, how big is this table? These are high-performance anti-chafing boxer briefs. They're not just a cheap pair of underwear. And I've got some statistics for you. Did you know that 85% of women think that bad grooming is a major turnoff? Did you know that, Rich? I would say, I would say it's even higher than that, man. I know, I know doc, I'm not going to dispute Dr. Drew's quote here, but that's just you – know, the other 50, the, the, the other women just didn't want to say that they don't like – I mean, what woman wouldn't want – some nice groomed balls. You know, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, absolutely. It was the bad groom. Yeah. Now there are some people that are into the uh, the bush fetish, but eighty percent of women think men should manscape below the belt. That's from an independent study, and eighty nine percent of men think good grooming is essential to their professional success. How about that? That comes from Business Wire, who I have not been quoted by uh, yet. I have been quoted by Forbes. But, uh, but you know, that's a reputable uh, uh, publication there. So, uh, listen. You gotta have the lawnmower 2.0, which is better than the original lawnmower. Now, how much better? It trims at 6,000 strokes per minute, up from 4,000 strokes per minute 
for the original lawnmowers. This lawnmower 2.0, this razor that you can take in a shower, it's actually improved from the original. The battery life is improved from 15 minutes on one charge to 60 minutes. Now, if you need 60 minutes to trim your balls, you got some problems. But <laughs> I was going to say, I haven't recharged mine yet. Mine's still going from my initial charge, so that's good. Rechargeable battery. You don't have to use batteries anymore. No more double A's. This is a rechargeable battery now. And uh, listen, you get 20% off plus free shipping with the code VOW at manscapes.com. Your balls will thank you. Your wife, your significant other will thank you. I use Manscaped. I use it. I use at least one of the products every day. I use the soap. I use the ball deodorant that TLB gets a big, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, tremendous uh, grades to. And you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code VOW at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com if you use the code VOW. So uh, join other dudes helping themselves with Manscaped to get a special offer just for our listeners. Again, 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. I do want to say one thing. Uh, you know, their copy says join other dudes. We have had women that listen to this show. We, they say just for dudes. They talk about balls. They talk about dicks and all that sort of stuff. We have gotten high marks from women that have uh, l- women listeners of the Voice Wrestling Podcast have said, I got the Manscaped. I got the Lawnmower 2.0. I got the Perfect Package 2.0. And it's perfect for me as well. It works for me as well. So just just keep that in mind. If you're if you're listening, if you're a dude that's already got the manscaped, and you're thinking, all right, well, I'm good, I'm ready to go. You know, if if you're if you're you know, not the worst gift in the world, and she probably doesn't want to use your ball trimmer either. So give her give her something nice. You know, pubes or pubes, my friend. That's what I'm saying. It's hair. It's there. You know, <laughs> you don't want it. Nobody wants to chafe that area. You can do that as well. But manscaped.com uh, promo code VOW free shipping and twenty percent off. You cannot beat that. All right, Joe. Let's get to this other crap. That we had to watch this week. We're, ROH Final Battle, TLC, NWN into the Fire, we could talk about. That one wasn't that bad. We'll talk about that a bit. Some were worse than others. Um, yeah. Where do you want to start? Because I just want to get these. I, I, I want to get these over with as quick as possible. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I don't want to talk. I, don't even want, I didn't want to watch them. I don't want to talk about them. I don't want to think about them anymore. It's like a holiday well, week that, coming that's, up. That's the problem. I wanted to watch all of this. And then I watched it. I didn't like any of it. So I guess we should start with I guess we should start with TLC, right? I mean, let's <laughs> I mean what a horrendous show. It's just just a horrendous show. I didn't watch the pre-show. So people tell me the pre-show was good. I did the crate gimmick and didn't even bother with it. The show opened up with New Day versus Revival. People told me that was good. Rich, it wasn't good. The New Day versus Revival was Big E setting up ladders for like six minutes at a time while the crowd just watched him set up ladders in silence and just repeat with an okay finish, I guess, with the big ending off the ladder and all that. But that wasn't a great match. But unfortunately, that was probably the best match on the show. And it was all downhill from there. Nothing else on this show was good. Do you have a dissenting opinion on that or i don't and i was kind of i was unfortunately going to come onto the show and hopefully hoping that you were like hey yeah that match was good i like that one a lot it was the most contrived just like guys setting up ladders tables getting set up for no reason ladders getting upset set up for no reason as you mentioned Big E just setting a ladder up for literally five minutes while everyone's down and all the fans are like, climb up the ladder, get the titles, you idiot. Like, even the announcers had to at some point be like, ah, Big E, I don't know what he's doing here. He should probably go get the titles. Like, it was, you know, 
every TLC match, every ladder, like every WWE ladder match always kind of has that same sort of, there's always a little bit of like, hey, why would they do that with the ladder? Yeah, it doesn't really make much sense. But this one felt so much like, why are they doing what they're doing? It's just, things were just done to do them. There was just no reason. It felt like nobody was trying to get the titles. I, you know, because I heard the same thing from you. Oh, that, that's a great match. It's gonna be a great way to open the show. And I watched it and it was over and I went, oh my God, if that's good, <laughs> then this is not gonna be a, a good show. And I, I was I was kind of surprised at how much I did not like it. I uh I, I don't know about your rating, but I went to, I went two and three quarters with it. I did not like it uh much at all. And I'm actually kind of surprised. This, this we should say this review uh sponsored by our friends at Grapple G-R-A-P-P-L. The Grapple users 3.71 for this new day revival match. People loved it. I told you. I don't understand. I, I don't get it either. I mean, I guess the ladder, the ladder match bump. I guess maybe. Um, I don't know. I I didn't hate it. I just I thought it was a nice little two and three quarter star match. I don't. I don't know. Um, but New Day wins and um, they retain their titles and they're nine thousand time. WWE tag team champions. I'm sure you have great recollection of all their big. Title oh, I wins. could I could list them all. The time they beat uh, Kalisto and whoever he was teaming with at the time, and uh, I'm sure they beat the Usos a couple times. I'm sure they beat the Usos a few times too. Um, I'm sure they beat the Revival once or twice. Yeah, for probably. For they are five time. Battle. They are five times SmackDown tag team champions. So um, they got to be at least like nine, ten times total, right? I think so. Yeah. Um, let me. Okay. Let's go over these uh, real quickly. I'm going to see. They beat the Usos. They beat the Usos. Yeah. They beat the Bludgeon Brothers. Yeah. They beat the Bar. And they beat the Revival. Oh, they also That's beat Daniel Bryan and Rowan. Sorry, sorry. They did not defeat the Bar. They lost to the Bar. They defeated Daniel Bryan and Rowan. That's the SmackDown set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've been tagged <laughs> on the titles. The Uso feud was pretty great. I think that was that was solid. Yeah, yeah, that was twenty. Uh, yeah, late twenty seventeen, where they traded the titles yeah. back and forth. Yeah, that was that was awesome. Back the good old days when pay per views were good. That was great, and that's when I knew TLB was never going to get into wrestling at all because I would watch those matches and mark out, and she'd be like, "This is horrible. They're these guys are beating each other." She had a problem with their selling. She said, "Ah, oh, they're they're getting hit with canes and sticks, but they're then they're popping right up. This is so stupid." And I'm like, I can't watch wrestling with you because you don't suspend your disbelief and you're a selling fetishist. My wife's a selling yeah, fetishist. Yeah, who could believe? Yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> Is she watching I, her rings and then yeah. Volcan? She's telling you all about these Volcan matches you should check out and stuff. You know what she got mad at the other day? She was we were, I was watching um, maybe it was AEW last week, not this week. And Penelope was Penelope Ford on the show last 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 week. I yeah, she, she did like the she did the Hurricane Rana from the apron and stuff. Yeah, that was I think last week. Yeah, and TLB got mad. She's like, ah. I'm like, what's the problem? She goes, this woman would never be able to beat up these men. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, you know what? Don't ever go on Twitter. You are. You, you're, you're canceled. You're, you're fucking yeah, you canceled. Yeah, you are canceled. TLB, you are canceled. Um, so, yeah, she just she can't ever suspend her disbelief for anything. So, uh, And she's a selling fetishist. But, yeah, so that's New Day. And revival. Uh, I guess I forgot about Alistair Black, Buddy Murphy. Yeah, um, I like. I went four stars in that. I really like that match. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, you liked it a lot more than I did. Um, yeah, that was a really good match. That was probably my favorite match on the show. What do you think of the finish? A lot of people are going crazy about the finish, and a lot of people are like, "That shit was corny." That finishing sequence. <sighs> it was borderline. I liked it because I like both those guys. I, I think both those guys have sort of presented themselves. Like, I, I it's it's one of those things that that finish done. With two guys that aren't, it's one of these weird things. Like Alistair Black and Butter Murphy are kind of that's what their characters are. They're just these like 
dudes that just want to fight and they've got big balls and they just want to prove that they're better than the other guy. Like, for me, I just want this shit out of wrestling now. So when I see these guys do it, I don't really care that the finish was a little bit of that and a little bit of no selling, a little bit of whatever. Like, to me, it doesn't matter. It was like the match itself was good and it, it fit with what the story has been between these two guys as well. So, no, I, I did not have an issue with it, but I, I totally understand why people do. But for me, no. I, I, knowing what was coming on the rest of the show, I was totally fine with this because I actually watched this out of order. Uh, and, 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 yeah, knowing <laughs> what was to come over the next five, six matches or whatever, uh, going back and watching this one in hindsight, I was like, no, 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 I have no issues with how that match ended whatsoever. No, I thought the finish was cool enough. I mean, it wasn't the greatest finishing sequence I've ever seen. But... um this whole choreographed dance routine thing that people like to say. Um, I don't know. I didn't see it as that either, but I just wanted to get your take on it. Obviously you, you, you love the match. You went four. Uh, you're in the same neighborhood as the grapple users right now. It's sitting at a 3.88. And I believe that that's got to easily be the best match on the show. Yeah. The rest of this stuff isn't like worse match. Yeah, we're, about to, yeah, we're about to enter. We're about to enter the abyss. So join us for well, the ride. Yeah. I have to say this weekend, I saw four of the worst matches I've seen all year and, <laughs> I know. And, I know. and two of them were on this show and it, you know, and we'll get to them, but the stuff that led up to it wasn't exactly, I mean, the show was straight downhill from this point. We had the Viking Raiders defending against the OC who are rich, by the way, they're the greatest tag team in the world and they have the trophy to prove it. Um, but why aren't they the tag team champions? of <laughs> this, this, this company has what four different sets of tag team titles. And as well as the hold, best team in the world that doesn't hold any of them. Yeah. Right. And they don't hold any of them, but I guess that's just heel heat. So it's fine. Uh, but the Viking war Raider experience, Eric and Ivar, uh, they win here, but rich, um, do they got to talk about the KFC? Nobody I mean, won. Oh my God. The KFC. <laughs> what is happening? I mean, I, I, I tweeted out at the time when I was watching it is that the, the, the way this company is, is they can't even have four people sit at a table and eat fried chicken without it being the most contrived, forced, inorganic bullshit ever. You have you have indie workers, including Benjamin Boone, I think was one of them. I've seen him live a bunch of times. You have a guy that was on 205 Live a week ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hard. It's not even like, they can't even find, like, they can't, they, Jesus Christ. And, and Michelle was like, I don't know why you're so worried about it. I was screaming while I was watching this. It's just like one of those weird things that triggers you because I'm like, mm. They're sitting there eating this KFC. The one guy, I think it was Boone, could, just couldn't stop eating. He's, oh, my God, a chicken. I've never had chicken before. And he's, he's hooting and hollering. He's in five wings at a time or whatever. The, the one woman's, like, scooping their, her ninth scoop of, uh, uh, of mashed potatoes or whatever. And I'm like, nobody would do this. And they're all, of course, wearing WWE shirts. And they're, they're pointing at the ring and going, oh, yeah, look at that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're, like, raising their hands and, and hooting and hollering. And it's like they can't even just find four fans and say, hey, fans. Thank you for coming to the show. Can you sit at this table and eat fried chicken for five minutes? They couldn't even just find four people and just say, sit at this table and don't do anything for five minutes. They had to hire workers and make them the lamest people in the world, the dumbest people in the world. They got to be devouring this chicken. They just can't keep their hands off it. They got to be pointing at the ring when nothing's happening. It's just, oh my God, they have to wear WWE property shirts. It's just, it's so inorganic. Just have four people sit at a goddamn table and eat chicken. It's not that hard. I mean... The obvious thing here is why do we need product placement in the middle of a match? I mean, it's just if they're going to pay, I get it. I get it if they're going to pay you. If KFC is no, going to give no, you a bunch no, of money, Rich. yeah. No, 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 hold on. I don't get it. Okay, I don't care how much KFC is going to pay me. I'm going to tell them, look, I'm not doing product placement in the middle of a wrestling match. We can put you all over the show. 
We can do a backstage, but but I'm not doing product placement in the middle of a match and bastardizing my product. But the thing about it is I care so little and I have such little passion for this terrible company that it doesn't bother me. I'm just watching this like, what the fuck is this? And then I'm just like, oh, it's it's WWE. I, I can't even muster the energy to care that they did this completely absurd product placement. You flipped out. And I couldn't even muster the energy. To <laughs> I don't out. know why, though. It's one of those things. You know, when you're done after like getting all upset about it, and you're like, "Why? Why did I give them that time? Why did, why did I give them that headspace? Yeah. I should have been like you and just said, Fuck it. I don't care.' Whatever. There's KFC. The OC went through the table, or whatever. Who fucking cares if the Viking Raiders went through the table? Who cares? Like, I should have. But I, I, for whatever reason, it just it, it's one of those things that just for no reason triggers you, and you just go on a rant. And and then I think Michelle just went to bed. It's like I'm gonna I'm gonna go away. This is yeah, you're annoying. <laughs> like, and this is where the show fell off the cliff, a 1.82 average from the – look, what did you want these teams to do? I, I don't blame them. They got to work around this shit. Then they did the spots with the food, which of course you knew were coming. It's just utter garbage. So we had King Corbin versus Roman Reigns. You know what I loved about this? I loved that King Corbin came out first and he cut a promo after his entrance where he took the mic and he ran down the crowd and he said – you're all going to bow down to me because I'm the king. I'm paraphrasing, right? And then he says, and I know someone else who needs to bow down to the king, right? And then they do this dramatic pause because then Roman Reigns' music is supposed to hit. and You're supposed to cheer Roman Reigns because he's going to come shut this guy up, right? So then Roman Reigns' music hits and Roman comes out and the crowd boos. They just cannot control these crowds. The guy goes out there. He's the most hated guy on the roster. He cuts a promo saying that Roman Reigns is going to bow before his feet. They design it for Roman. They, they do the dramatic pause. And then when they hit Roman's music, the crowd goes mild and 30% of the crowd boos. So uh, all of the dog food being dumped on his head and all of that, it, it just it, nothing works. Nothing works. They put him in there with the most hated guy on the roster. They dump dog food on him. They set it up, and he still gets booed. It's 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 incredible. And then they go out there, and honestly, I thought they were having the best match on the show for about five or six minutes there. And then Dolph <laughs> went twenty two minutes. What do you mean? <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm you know five or six minutes there. They were having a really good match, you know. And ro- you know why? Because Corbin was beating the living shit out of Roman. And what does Roman do best? Yeah, he sells great. Yeah, he's, he's great so at getting great. his ass kicked and selling. Yeah. And and it was really good. And I'm like, oh, Roman's going to make a big comeback and beat this jerk. And maybe the fans will actually cheer. But that's always uh, never a given. And then Dolph shows up and it just goes completely off the rails. And it's, it's, it's fucking horrendous. And it would have been the most horrendous thing on the show if the stuff that came after didn't follow <laughs> There wasn't two more matches that were worse than it. Yeah, it was fucking terrible, and it was just another great example of of just like the nonsense stuff that happens. Is 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 Roman Reigns, who you know, in the video package they talk about him being kind of the leader of the the pack, and he's the leader of the of the locker room, and he's he's this guy that everybody loves or whatever to try to get him over because that's of course they, they it's still like for five years now it's been please please cheer this guy we're begging you come on what do you need what else do you want to cheer this guy so they tell you oh he's a locker room leader and everybody loves him and all that sort of stuff well he's getting his ass just handed to him four on one in a TLC match no disqualification. Not a soul runs down to help him. No. Not a single guy. He just gets his ass kicked, his ass kicked, his ass kicked, and they pin him. And then he See, loses. This, 
this is why I don't want to hear about how bad AEW booking is. <laughs> like, because people pick on the smallest little dumb things that don't matter. When you have this as the comparison point, it's just a disaster. Twenty-two so. minutes. Who this? Who in? The, on, there had to have been. A, there was a sheet of paper that had King Corbin, Roman Reigns next to it, and it had twenty-two minutes next to it. And someone didn't say, "Whoa, hold on a minute. Are you we sure we want to give this match twenty-two minutes?" Uh, well, did you want to give Bray Wyatt versus The Miz more time? I did I not. But God, I can't wait to talk about this match, Joe. So King Corbin and, and Roman Reigns, that's a 1.5 average just Jesus on, on your on your Grapple app. It's not just us. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just uh, like, no, it's not oh, just us. Oh, it's you curmudgeons. Oh, you don't like it. Look at this. This is under uh, hundreds of people thought this shit sucked too. Can I address that? Like, we're getting pounded on Twitter for being so negative this week. What do you want me to be positive <laughs> right. about? What am I supposed to be praising? Did you watch these shows? I mean, it, 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 this was a terrible week for wrestling. They conveniently ignore that I put over the Dragon Gate show today on Twitter. They conveniently ignore that I put over Brandon Thurston constantly all weekend long as I watch more of his shit on Twitter and say how great that he's been. And, you know, but, but you know, but, yeah, we have been very negative this week. Look what we're watching. And like you just said, it's not just us. This is all-time bad stuff that we're about to get into. Bray Wyatt versus The Miz. Not The Fiend, Rich. Bray Wyatt. Let me set this up for you. Bray Wyatt slash The Fiend apparently breaks into The Miz's house and plants a toy in his baby's crib. <laughs> I brought Michelle. So Michelle was in bed, and I paused it, and I had her come back in for this. I, I had to have her watch this, this buildup. Uh, yeah. Needless to say, she went right back to bed. <laughs> so she said, Is, am I done now? And I said, yes. And then she went back to bed. So I love how The Miz, his whole gimmick is that he's an actor and he's the worst actor on the <laughs> roster. So bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, Maurice, Maurice. <laughs> yeah. I, but that, and like, that's Go home, his gimmick. Lock the doors, <laughs> set the alarm. Yeah. It's not just his gimmick, he's an actual actor. We should, and he's we the should worst watch actor uh, Marine three through nine and see if uh, he's as bad in those movies as he is. Uh, I'm sure he is because he was horrendous here. So the setup here is Bray is breaking into this man's house and planting or using his mystical powers or whatever the fuck. Right. To put to- – why? This is wrestling. <laughs> do, you see, do you see why I hate everything? I know. I hate this shit. There, there, something that really triggered me on this one as well, and it's one of these you know, WWE things that they you know, think that they're such high art and all that sort of stuff, is the Miz is walking backstage. I think this is after. He's like, Maurice, set the alarm. I'll be home soon. Like you know, One of those things. Yeah. So he sees a door with a red light on it. But the door's yes. a little open. And he goes, yeah. hmm, what's in this room? So he kicks the door down, and then the camera cuts from inside the room. Yes. I'm like, what the fuck? I hate it's wrestling. So wrestling sucks. Wrestling is so bad. This podcast is over. We're done. Uh, Rich, it's, it's character. We're done. I'm done. I don't want to talk about it anymore. But it's character development. And then he's zooming on Mrs. face, and he looks around, and he looks left. And no. he sees the baby monitor. Oh, my God. <laughs> No, he sees a picture, but Bray oh, that's is. Right. It was the picture. Right? Yeah, but Bray is now the Miz. Oh, like, who Bray wants is... this shit? Honestly, like I know that there's dorks on Twitter that say, "Who wants this shit in the wrestling?" No, go there's watch, pe- go watch. No. Why would you watch this? Exactly. There there's so people... much better drama and horror and comedy and and all this other stuff. Go fucking subscribe to Netflix. Get Disney Plus. Go watch real people, real writers, write real shows. Why are you gonna watch wrestling for this bullshit? To get your fix of this garbage. Oh, there are hard, there are hundreds of horror <laughs> movies on Netflix, and I promise you, Rich, I promise you, every single one of them are better than this. Why are you scratching this itch with pro wrestling? I, aren't you watching pro wrestling to see pro wrestling? I don't get it. 
You know, you get Miz. Miz is a horrible actor. Bray is a horrible actor and performer. It's hokey. It doesn't come. Rich, no one is scared of Bray Wyatt or The Fiend. When he made his entrance, people laughed and they chanted Yowie Zowie and they laughed with him. Aren't you supposed to be scared of this character? Doesn't that tell you that they're doing a poor job with it and not a good job? He's a heel. He threatens to kill people with a cartoon mallet. You're not supposed to like him. But people cheered him when he came out. A few people. Other than that, he got no reaction whatsoever. Utter silence. And then they're playing along with him as he lifts the title in the air. And you you look at the fans. They're smiling and laughing. You're supposed to be fearing for the Miz's life. Everyone says this is such great character development and great storytelling. Yet the fans react the complete opposite way that the story is telling you to react. So how good can it be? You're supposed to fear for the Miz and be afraid that this guy's going to kill him and kill his family. Right? Yeah. You, you're 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 a Miz and Mrs. whatever watcher, and you can't. Oh my God, he's he's killing his family, and I know Maurice, and I I know that they just had a baby, and oh my God, I want you know so badly the Miz to get his revenge and and, and beat up Ray Wyatt. But yeah, it's like <laughs> look at yeah, this. No, but <laughs> you're, you're guy. That, yeah. yeah, you're in that crowd with a big smile on your face on your face, chanting Yowie Zowie, and then you're coming on Twitter telling me that I'm the one that doesn't get it. The story stinks. Can we talk about They're, the best part of this match? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. You got no, the best part, Rich, is the Mrs. Entrance. <laughs> awesome. I came to play. And he because walks out after, with his glasses. Yeah. Because after Whoa. all of that, and, 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 and talking about how I'm not wrestling this match as the Miz, I'm fighting Bray Wyatt to protect my family, right? Is what he says in the right. promo. Then. I came to play. There's a price to pay. Everybody on their knees and pray. And he's wearing his dumb headband. And his glasses. He does the spin, Joe. He's doing the spins. He's pointing. He's smiling. (laughs) These fucking robots in this company. The story is he wants to kill your family. But you still have to do your choreographed WWE entrance. And wear your fancy little sequined robe and tights. And people think this is good. Yeah, like how hard would it have been to say, Miz, you know what, dude? Don't wear that, don't wear anything. Maybe he maybe he doesn't even come out to music. Maybe he just charges down to the ring, gets in the middle of the ring, and says, I'm ready for it. Let's go. You know? He's wearing no. jeans or whatever, you know? <laughs> he's pointing and he's spinning. He's doing his <laughs> Pyro's entry. going off. Yeah. yeah. He's doing his fucking 2K20 entrance. Like he's doing it. And he's wearing his gear. He said to himself, I am in a fight with a serial killer who may or may not have broken into my house. I'm going to put on my tights and my gear and my robe and my little headband. I'm doing my fucking spin, goddamn. <laughs> and I'm going to come down to the ring first and I'm going to do my little spin. And and as they're telling us to fucking as, – as, as they're telling us to go to KFC, as there's a KFC logo on the screen, I'm going to lean over the ropes and point at the fans with a big <laughs> smile on my face. Because I have to do that. High art, Joe. High art. Because, because I'm a robot, and that's what we do in this company. And then, Rich, there's going to be people with the nerve to tell us that this is great character development and storytelling. It's fucking garbage. It's the lowest level garbage that, can, that I can conceive. Nothing is lower than The Fiend and everything about him. From Seth Rollins setting fire to the funhouse to fucking pulling Daniel Bryan under the ring 
and, and, and ripping his hair off to this shit. And my God, I mean, and then the match. Oh, it sucked. It was so bad. I mean, what the fuck? What is this? You know, you know, you know and it's like. Oh, you know, I didn't. Uh, uh, sorry, not, not to interrupt, but as we're talking about the entrance, I didn't even make this connection. Is on NXT, the story with Kushida and Cameron Grimes or whatever, the former Trevor Lee or whatever, is yeah. that Kushida stole his hat, right? Yeah. Cameron Grimes came down to the ring like fucking stomping and snarling. <laughs> You know what right. I mean? He wanted his right. goddamn hat back. And all she did was steal his hat. Yeah. And yet he didn't come out with the same little, it was just like, oh, you fucking asshole, you stole my hat. Right. Like, just a little bit of nuance. Just a little bit. Yeah. But but the, the Miz, though. Oh, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The Miz came to play. <laughs> right. Okay. The Miz came to play, even though his family's in danger. Right? His, his fucking baby. <sighs> you know, this guy wants to kill. Oh, Bray Wyatt, he's... He's portraying two characters at once. This is fucking brilliant. What is so brilliant about it? It's a guy. It's the same guy. Are we really? These people really think it's two different characters. It's the same guy. He puts on a spooky fucking clown mask, right? And it's like a guy with a split personality. It's the same guy, though. It's not two different characters. Why do people keep saying that? Am I? Am I fucking? No, you're not. Because in, in this match too, I mean, they were establishing it too. It's it's it, it, like those idiots that are telling you that are not even watching or listening to the match because Cole and Graves are telling you it's like he's got split personality. One moment he's Bray and the next moment he's the Fiend. Like, in this match alone, they're telling you that. So so Bray Wyatt no-sells them is, and this was truly one of the worst things I've seen ever in professional wrestling from start to finish. Uh, when you consider the storyline, the setup, the Miz's horrible acting, the match itself, the crowd reaction. Rich, the crowd never cares about The Fiend. Am I nuts? Oh, no. I mean, you, I, mean you, I, I, was, I was stunned at how silent the crowd was during this. As, as, as you know, I think we even got a, oh, my God, Cole, the crowd's in stunned silence at what they're seeing here. One of those things. Because, yeah, like, he's doing stuff and nobody cares. Like, because nobody ever cares about Bray Wyatt in the ring. They didn't care about him when he was The Fiend. They didn't care about him when he was a cult leader. Like, he's just not a guy that really does much in the ring that, that, that really inspires that much. Uh, you know, and, and the Miz is not a guy who's going to really carry a match all that well either. But yeah, this all this is happening. He's destroying the Miz. He's beating him down. He's he's smiling while he's getting punched. He's doing this. He's making funny faces. And there's just nothing. And then he pins him, and it's one, two, three. And you can hear like individual crowd noise. I mean, you can hear individuals saying things into the ring. Like you can hear a, a one guy in row nine saying, "Hey, yowie, wowie. <laughs> like it's so bad. It's so silent. It's just absolutely. Do you not. think there's a disconnect now where fans just don't know what a real pop sounds like? I think because so. People, yeah. Cause we hear that all the time. Like, Oh, they got a good reaction. Then I look and I'm like, that's not, what do you, where, what universe are you living in? Like, where did you only start watching? If you only started watching wrestling four years ago, then yeah, maybe you wouldn't know the difference, but like, yeah, we've, we've lost what a good crowd reaction sounds like. Yeah. I don't know. This Bray stuff, it's just, it's horrendous. The whole Miz story was horrendous. Uh, this idea of character development in wrestling is the most overrated thing. You don't need to do this over-the-top nonsense to develop characters in wrestling. All you got to do is establish that two people don't like each other and they're going to fight. And one guy eventually is going to come out on top. Uh, we talked about it, Rich, two weeks ago or whatever it was. The greatest feud of this decade, the defining feud of this decade was one guy was the champion and the star of the company and the young upstart wanted to take a spot. And they, they had this rivalry for six years and it was the best thing in wrestling over those six or seven years. And uh, it didn't involve spooky cults or people threatening to kill each other's families or horrible acting. And um, it drew a shit ton of money and it was the most compelling thing in wrestling for over a half decade. So this whole thing, this, this storytelling and character development is the most overtalked topic it's just the simpler is just so much better 
it's 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 pro wrestling and the simplest stories uh are these people don't like each other that's it you don't need all this fucking smoke and mirrors and 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 junk and that's what this is this bray wyatt stuff is junk and the ratings reflect it smackdown was down to 2.3 million viewers on fox this week it's not connecting with anyone it's not connecting with live crowds i don't care what anybody says you can talk about the merch all you want i don't care it's not connecting with the live crowds. It's not connecting uh, with uh, television viewers. And, um, you know, and we saw in the early weeks of Fox, people were laughing at this. People who weren't hardcore. Re- and it ran all of those people off. So. One star the, uh, is what I rated. Well, I, I, I recently got a delivery of the, uh, the bubble. Uh, so she has just discovered oh. that I now have two, two uh, bottles of the bubble in the house. So what do we get when we come off work? A little bit of the bubbly! Cause just like Bret Hart Wait, Chris Chris Jericho Nobody fucking appreciates me I fucking save lives all day Uh and then I come back to my party there's nobody to celebrate me so I'm drinking my bubbly on my own (laughs) I was just gonna say she consumed half of this bubbly no it's not even open yet do not open it yet oh I was like it's warm you weirdo get out of here how dare you go eat your cauliflower pizza me and Christ, Chris Chris Jericho have so much in common we both have a list of people we hate and we both enjoy the bubbly and none of no one appreciates either one of us he's my spirit animal that is all Goodbye. Thank you, Michelle. Hit the bricks. All right. I just got to suck it, and now we're good. Okay. All right. All right. One star on Grapple. Uh, one point – or I gave it one star. 1.42 is the uh, the average rating. So, again, it's not just us thinking it sucks. Everybody thinks it sucks. So, it's good. Bobby Lashley and Rusev. We had tables that didn't break. I <laughs> just, can't. Just move on. I have nothing to say about this match. Move on. 1.48 on Grapple. It was really bad. And then the main event was one of the four worst matches I've seen this year. The Kabuki Warriors defeat Becky Lynch and Charlotte in a uh, table ladders and chairs match, which just completely went off the rails and was one of the worst things I've seen this year, which is horrendous, Rich. There's nothing positive I could say about this. Uh, uh, Carrie Sane may have been concussed, uh, for all we know. Um, Just setting up ladders, doing weird shit, like tying Becky Lynch to, to a ladder with a rope. Um... Kerry Sane trying to throw chairs into the ring, but they kept bouncing off the ropes and hitting her in the leg. Uh, this was a big, giant train wreck of a mess. It was awful. And um, I have no idea how the grapple users even went as high as they did with the 2.55 rating. This was a straight-up dud. This is one of the worst matches of the year. And um, I, I can't even give this a single star. There's two, there's two matches on the show that I can't even give a single star. Uh, this and the Bray Wyatt thing. Um, you know, those are duds in my eyes. So, what'd you think of this piece of shit? Yeah, I, I went one star with it. I thought it was absolutely terrible. Yeah, it, it wasn't enough to do a dud. Maybe I would do a dud if Grapple did duds, but uh, for the purposes of of Grapple, I'll at least give it one star or whatever. But uh, yeah, it was putrid. Putrid. It was yeah. It's it, it's you know I talked about the the New Day revival just being like people setting stuff up and people getting ready. Well, that was this where it's just like contrived weird ladders being set up and contrived weird like tables being set up or whatever. Also with like a bunch of botches in between, a bunch of people standing around. It went twenty six minutes, just went forever. Never felt like it ended. The crowd never gave a shit about any of it. You got people like you said setting up ropes, getting ready, and just like yeah, it just nothing looked good. Everything was botched. It was just like an absolute 
<laughs> like I'm just I'm also just so sick of like people hitting each other with shit matches in, in 2019. That has been the yeah. year the the, the 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 rise of irony wrestling and the rise of like people hit each other with shit matches is yeah. is unbelievable. We, we have we have gone we've gone well past like 1999 WF you know mid card hardcore matches you know, the, the shopping cart matches where like Al Snow would come down to the ring and they just hit each other with frying pans and other bullshit. Like we just do that on a weekly basis. Every show, every pay per view is just like people hit each other with shit and and it's 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 never entertaining anymore. Nobody cares about any of these weapon shots anymore. Nobody cares about people going through tables anymore. Nobody cares about people going through ladders anymore. And this was just another one of those examples added in with like a shit ton of botches and just no energy, no fast movement. Just, just, yeah, just absolute fucking trainer. Awful. Do you feel like going on the concussion rant? You going to do that or no? Uh, I, I don't even, wrong. yeah, I don't even know anymore. I, I went back and watched the match again for some godforsaken reason, try to figure out the concussion thing. And I don't even know. Yeah, no, I don't. Whatever. Like, who cares? Yeah. I don't care. Anymore. I have no strong feelings on it, honestly. And I, I know that you were kind of passionate about it earlier in the week, but um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, this is the worst show of the year, right? I oh, it's got to be. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, the, the best match was was Aleister Black and Buddy Murphy. I went four stars with it. And the rest of it, I have, I think, under two stars, I want to say. I don't think Everything anything else. Went. I don't think anything else reached over. And, and again, not even just our thoughts. Like the grapple users, look at look look at this murderer's row of, of, of matches here. On the Steel Sea Show, it, it, it's 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 unbelievable. The talent in this company of you know three point seven one for the, the the opener, three point eight eight for for the second match, then one point eight, one point five, one point four two, one point four eight, and two point five. Which again, like that's an egregious two point five. Grapple users, sorry, that yeah. was not a two point five. But regardless, even then, like a match that I think they way overrated, not even at three stars. Yeah, it's got to be the worst. It has to be the worst, and it, it's in, it's unconceivable, completely inconceivable that this company with that talent roster, they've hired almost every good wrestler in the world for the last five years. The ones that AEW haven't scooped up or whatever, they've hired all of them, and they, it's unacceptable. They put on pay per views like this. It's unbelievable. I listen. I got to tell you something, Rich. I I don't know if this has occurred to you or not, but um. WWE fucking sucks. sucks. Can we not? Can we really just 2020 really just? It's really a really shitty, terrible fucking wrestling promotion in almost every way. I know some people enjoy us like burying this stuff, but I don't really enjoy it anymore. To be honest, it's just I, like it's just so hard to how we got to really come on here every month and and dissect the fiend. Yeah, I'm really is, I, I'm I'm to a point where in, in 2020 maybe we have to rethink that and just say, you know what, let's let's watch Dragon Gate instead. <laughs> let's watch something old that was good instead of these WWE pay-per-views cuz yeah, unless they turn around, it's just a waste of 4 hours. I I am I am seriously considering the idea that the fiend is the worst thing ever in professional wrestling. That's how bad it is. Like it's it's worse than Lucha Underground. It, it would fit right in in Lucha Underground. I honestly. think what, what what helps make um, it worse is the fact that people tell you it's good. Yeah. Right. Like if, really, if yeah. everybody collectively was just like this fucking stinks, this is terrible. But the idea that like you you would tweet out, hey, this fucking stinks, and we'll get a thousand people in our mentions going, oh, you don't understand. This is a, he's playing two characters. It's high art and all. It. Like I think that makes it worse knowing that there are people out there that are like, ah, yes. There's been well, here's the thing. There's been silly stuff in wrestling, but. It was kind of in on the joke, right? This, you're supposed to take it seriously, mm-hmm. and it's silly and ridiculous and stupid and nonsensical and not entertaining, and everything about it is bad. But you're supposed to, like, take it seriously. So that, I think, is what makes it worse. You know, like something like Papa Shango, it was 1992, and we were all in on the joke. It's a fucking voodoo man. 
making blood come off of, you know, Mean Gene Okerlund's skull. I mean, it's just, it's beyond, it's just super silly. And, and the era and everything else. This is like, we're supposed to think that this is a thing and not a human. What are we doing here? Why are we talking about, like... I don't know, just... <laughs> Like, what kind of human enjoys this, too? Like, I, you know, I, I don't understand. Like, what kind of human being sits down on the couch and says, man, this is great. I, I don't get it. Especially in the context of wrestling. Like you said, go watch Netflix. There's plenty of B-horror movies on Netflix. Well, I guess the thing I will say is a lot of people are doing that. Because <laughs> we can see in the ratings that a lot of people are doing that. They're not in our yeah. mentions, but a lot of human beings have decided, you know what, fuck this, I'm going to just watch Netflix instead. So, yeah. Um, that's great. So anyway, uh, I do want to thank Grapple, of course, for sponsoring that. Uh, they're going to sponsor our Ring of Honor Final Battle uh, review as well. But before yes. we do that, I do want to let you know uh, that they are doing the Grapple 100 again, which is the 100 best matches of the year. Uh, they're also doing the Grapple 50, which is the uh, 50 best wrestlers of 2019 based off match ratings as well. Uh, that'll be out in the end of January, and they wanted to encourage us to, if you have the app, to make sure that you get your best match, the, the matches that you saw throughout the year, things that you have maybe in a notebook, things you have in a spreadsheet, whatever, get them in there because then they will better rank for the Grapple 100. The wrestlers that are involved in those matches will better rank for the Grapple 50, and they'll have a more complete idea of what happened in 2019 and be able to give a decent idea of the 100 best matches, the 50 best wrestlers, and that sort of stuff based off the app. So if, if you have the app, if you don't have the app, G-R-A-P-P-L uh, on the uh, Google Play or the App Store, just leave the E out of that, G-R-A-P-P-L, uh, to download Grapple. And for those of us that are doing match of the year lists or trying to kind of get together end of the year stuff, uh, there is this awesome feature that I honestly, I will admit, point blank, I did not know about this feature until like three weeks ago, and it is an absolute game changer for me, uh, is on the homepage of the Grapple app, you can filter out ratings, promotions, if you want to do your ratings in a certain year. So say I want to filter out every single New Japan match in 2019 that I rated to see what I rated the top ones. You can do that. A few clicks. You just go to the homepage of the Grapple app. You'll see the filter out there. It says ratings filter right at the top. I don't know how I missed it, but I missed it, which I'm sure a few of you have missed it as well. If not, maybe it's just me. But regardless, I think there are a few people that have probably missed that as well. It's a great way to get together for Match of the Year stuff because you can just filter out by 2019. I've been able to kind of now catalog a lot of the stuff that I've rated this year and, and, and matches that I maybe forgot about that I wanted to have included in end of the year stuff. You know, when we were talking about AEW versus NXT, I was looking at the difference between, you know, AEW, what they've done on TV, because you can even filter by event as well. So you can go to the filter, and this is exactly what I did. I did the filter, I did AEW, I did 2019, and I did event Dynamite to see, okay, you know, Dynamite, whatever, like, you know, people are talking about match of the year contenders and stuff. You know, Dynamite has not had a whole lot of match of the year contenders. I'll let you know, you know, based off other people's ratings on Grapple as well. So that's something you can do with it. You can look at your own ratings. You can look at a bunch of different stuff there with that filter. So it's a really, really good tool and 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 yeah i think i have really found a great use for it and i hope others uh do as well as we kind of get towards the end of the year but yeah those two things there uh make sure you get your ratings in for the grapple 100 100 best matches of the year and the grapple 50 uh the 50 best wrestlers of 2019 as well so you know what i i had a real good use for the filter i hadn't watched a single progress match all year and i'm going through the entire progress year as we speak and i use the filter to help me cherry pick so it gives you the oh, top that's perfect yeah that's a great way to do that because, yeah, what you can do is you can do your ratings or you can do all Grapple users, which is effective, yes. too. If you want just your ratings, yeah, I want to see what I rated the best or whatever. But, yeah, that all Grapple users is perfect because you're like, hey, look, you know, I, I haven't seen anything from All Japan this year. Click All Japan, find out what the best rated matches via Grapple users are, and then you can go back and watch them. So it's great for yep. rewatches. And I think it gives you the top 15 or thereabouts. So, you know, right there, boom, the top 15 progress matches. I know that 
I can't skip any of those 15 as I go through and cherry pick the year. You know what I mean? So that's another great use of it. Yeah, you can filter it by all the grapple users, just you, by year, by month. There's a million different options. It's a very useful feature. So can't believe I just found out about it, but uh, hopefully, hopefully, many other other people that. Uh did know about it before, but if you didn't, now you know. So there you go, GRA you can, TPL. You can, you can sign up for Grapple and never rate a single match and get a ton of use out of it. Exactly. Right, right. Yeah. If, if that Because we have a lot of people that say, oh, you know, it, it looks like a cool app, but I don't really rate matches or whatever. But hey, can you recommend me this or recommend me that? And like, we're happy to, you know, give people recommendations for stuff. But we don't watch everything. And, and and we're not exactly, you know, people come to us for, you know, our, our opinions on stuff. But, you know, sometimes it's good to see kind of what a lot of other people think as well. Hey, like you said, progress. Like you can ask a guy, hey, what's, you know, what, what, what should I watch for progress this year? But why not ask, you know, hundreds of guys? Why not ask thousands of people that have rated stuff on Grapple what the best matches of the year were? So it's perfect. So Ring of Honor Final Battle also brought to you by Grapple. Uh, what do you think of this one? Um, some good, some bad, mostly bad. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, uh, it, it was a fine show until the main event, and I fucking could not stand the main event. So that really put it over there. Like, there was a lot that I did not like early on the show, but it was it was an okay show. It was enough of a show for me to feel like, all right, whatever. Then the main event happened, and I actually fucking hated the main event, and it really kind of made the entire night, I think, kind of a down to me. But it wasn't like it was good before that, but it, it, it wasn't trending like horrible, horrible like it was after that main event, which I just fucking could not stand. Again, not trying to be Mr. Hyperbole, but the main event was literally, you know, legitimately one of the worst matches I've seen this year. It was horrendous. Putrid. No, nothing redeeming about the main event whatsoever. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's what you're going to get when you put two meme wrestlers into your main event that can't work the style and really only have one trick in their bag. I mean, you know, I know that sounds harsh, but it is what it is. Roosh has had a year. He's just not going to adapt to a work rate slash American style. Uh, he is what he is. He's a brawler. And he's very charismatic, and I get that. And um, he's really super over in front of the right crowds. And, uh, you know, but in front of the wrong crowds where he's not, you know, considered a hero or or, or an iconic figure, um, he's just a guy that walks around and brawls. So, and PCO is 15 minutes or up. I think that's very clear. And, um, you know, doing a match like this um, where none of the shit really worked and, and the stuff with the car battery, they just flat out, we're, we were told they flat out abandoned all the shit they were going to do with the car. Because they didn't feel safe and they just said, fuck it, we're not doing it. And they went home early. They went back in the ring, broke through some, some fucking doors and, <laughs> and went home early. I mean, this, this is one of the worst matches you'll ever see. It was so horrendous. Bad. I like how going home early in this thing went 22 minutes and felt like an ungodly, never-ending slog. And they went home early. I cannot even imagine what it would have been yeah. like with five or seven or whatever extra minutes. God. Yeah, they shaved about five, six minutes <sighs> off there because they, they abandoned a lot of the stuff they were going to do with the hearse. Um, you know, so it's like... Yeah, it's just bad. Like the only redeeming value out of this is if it crossed into this is so bad that it's good territory for you, which I can understand, I guess. Um, but for me, it did not. For me, it was an encapsulation of everything that's bad about pro wrestling in 2019. Yep. That's, it, when it, it was when it was done, I, and that's the exact thought that I had, and yeah. that's why I couldn't. Uh, in one way, I couldn't wait to do the show this week. Yeah. In, in one sense, I was like, "Fuck, I hate wrestling. This is so awful." But then I wanted it because it is. It is exactly like. I almost wanted it to be the last thing I watched in 2019. It's not going to be because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, watch good matches by the end of the year and, and get ready or whatever. But I almost wanted it to be the last thing because it, it encapsulated how much I have disliked a lot of major pro wrestling this year, a lot of major American pro wrestling this year. Yeah. And this was like the perfect representation of it, of guys hit each other with shit. It's goofy as fuck. There's a guy getting recharged by a car battery. 
Yeah. Nobody in the crowd gives a shit about anything. No. And then it's just over and it makes no sense at all. And you're yeah. wondering why did I watch this thing at all? Yeah. Why, why do I why do I have this hobby? And it was like what a perfect encapsulation of 2019, American wrestling. And I think he'll lose the title back to Rush on the 11th. And that's the right move. So they gave him a little, you know, tip of the cap title reign if that's the direction they go. Rush should absolutely win the title back on the 11th though. For, for just because I'm not into his in-ring and I think the guy's vastly overrated. I do think he's their best choice as champion. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah, PCO should not have that title more than, yeah, he should be complete transition champion or just that, the gold watch reign. It's a gold watch right kind of thing. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. My God, if PCO retains. Yeah, and it's it's like, but I can separate the two. I mean, I, I think that Roosh is clearly their best hope to revive business. And they, they you know, they had him form a, a Los Ingobernobles stable in Ring of Honor now with Kenny King and... Um, and Dragon Lee and Kenny King's valet. I can't remember her name. What's Kenny King's valet's name? I can't remember. Uh, I forget, too, um, but I'll, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Oh, Amy Rose, Amy Rose. Amy, Amy Rose, Rose. Yeah. right. So they, he's got his stable now, and it's it's the Los Ingobernables thing, which, gets over, which has gotten over everywhere. They've tried it, so I don't see why it's not worth giving a try in Ring of Honor. And, you know, he's if you can connect to – if you can find a way to get Roosh's audience to, to – connect with him in ring of honor and buy tickets to ring of honor shows and pay-per-views. I mean, he's their best hope so that he should win the title back on the 11th and then go full steam ahead with, with his, you know, Wilson Garbanobles faction and push those guys to the moon and away you go. So, and that has nothing to do. I mean, I could separate the two. I have no use for the guy. Honestly, I've given him a million chances. He's just never going to work for me as a wrestler. It's not my style. Yeah, not he, my he's, he's an interesting case in that. Like I saw him live at MLW the one time and, and, and I, I'm the same way as you. It's like never quite clicked with me with him and I've never quite gotten it. And then I went to, you know, MLW live and saw him there and saw that superstar aura and, and, and how the people treated him like a God or whatever. I'm like, Oh, I get it. Like I get it now. Yeah, but then yeah. I go back and I watch him on this show and I'm like, Oh, I don't get it anymore. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's night and day watching him live and watching him on, on, on video. It's like live. I loved him. I'm in that crowd. I'm with those people. They're living and dying by every movie makes. He's, you know, he's gesturing to the crowd and they're losing their minds. I'm like, all right, I'm in or whatever. And then, yeah, I watch him on, you know, a random YouTube video or watch him on this final battle show. And I'm like, yeah, no, it doesn't it just, for me, it just doesn't translate to video whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, my favorite thing he's done in Ring of Honor, and he's been there a year, was the squash over Dalton Castle and MSG. I thought he looked like a fucking Oh, that was great. That was great. Well, again, live. Like, we were there live. I think it's a different... Yeah. But I'm sure on video it looked awesome, too, but... It went real live, and it was just, a, you know, it came out of... I don't think anyone really expected it, and he just looked like a fucking megastar, you know? And, and that was my favorite thing he's done all year. Um, You know, everything else has just been, eh. I don't know. It's the same old... You know, I don't know, but yeah, that main event was fucking horrendous. Can, just can I go on a garbage? Can I go on a mini rant that probably shouldn't matter and I shouldn't care, or whatever? But yeah, them using doors in this match. Yeah, did it bother you as much as it bothered me? I mean, it's indie level bullshit that Ring of Honor really shouldn't attach they itself should be to. Above that, right? And so this is okay. I, and I, I fully understand that I am trying to apply logic to a match where a man was revived by a car battery. I understand that. Yeah. I got to try, Joe. You know, it's for wrestling. I have to try. I know it's 2019 and nobody gives a shit anymore, but I at least have to try to give some sort of logic to it. But, like, the idea of, like, a door being around in a GCW match makes all the sense in the world. 
it's GC fucking W. If you've watched a GCW thing, if you watch any sort of hardcore thing, and they've kind of made that, a, the, 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 you know, the popular weapon of choice these days instead of tables yes. for a multitude of reasons. It's cheaper. It's whatever. It looks kind of cool or whatever, like whatever. But like GCW, you don't really apply the same wrestling logic to that because I always say you go to a GCW and I, I love it because the match, the bell will ring and they'll try like a hip toss and they'll go off the ropes and do a shoulder block or whatever. And the guy rolls out of the ring, grabs a light tube and they just start hitting each other with it. But you, you that's what it is. Like it's two guys that just go in there to maim each other. And you know that going in. But the idea that there's just a why are there just three doors underneath the ring at Ring of Honor? Yeah, and 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 the important thing here is Game Changer Wrestling knows what they are. Right, and they are. We are indie sleaze. We are, we are sleaze, and we own it, and that's what we are. And that's what we want to be. Yeah, yeah, they're self aware. It's kind of like I haven't been in one in in years, and I know that they've re-imaged themselves a million times. But Hooters used to have a slogan, and they would say that they were delightfully tacky. They knew what they were. Right. They knew they were a restaurant and they were tacky and you were getting some cheap wings and some beer and maybe some fucking, uh, you know, quick frozen crab legs that they were going to basically thaw out in a steamer. And and that, and they knew what they were. You know, they'd stick a roll of paper towels on the table. They wouldn't even give you napkins. You know, it's just delightfully tacky was their slogan. And it's like for those reasons, you were never going to go into Hooters and give them a restaurant review because you knew what you were getting into. And that's what Game Changer is. And that's why it's okay for them to be tacky and to use these doors as, you know, instead of tables and just be trashy because they're self-aware that they are trashy. Ring of Honor is a national wrestling promotion that has, you know, national television and they run major pay-per-views and they really should be above that stuff. But when you're booking meme wrestlers, why not go all the way with the meme? I guess, yeah, I guess that's it. But yeah, it was like I, I shouldn't have been ups- upset about the doors as I was, but I was just like, that I hate it. It's just so low rent I for know, a major I company get... like this. I, I couldn't believe it. And the, the the other thing too is like they were also using tables, so there were tables under the ring, and there was also doors under the ring. Why there were doors, I don't know. There was also a hearse with smoke coming out of it that recharged PCs. So whatever. I'm sorry. I'm trying to apply logic to 2019 wrestling. I should just sit back and and fucking think it's the dumbest shit in the world and enjoy it or something. I don't know, but yeah, it's kind of like you know. When the waitress hands you a roll of paper towels as your napkin at Hooters, that's okay. But if you went to Morton's Steakhouse, you want a nice cloth ta- uh, napkin. You know right. what I mean? It's like it's not the same. And this is kind of what you're saying. But to put Ring of Honor on that kind of pedestal after the year they have, I was going to say, I guess maybe they, they maybe they we need to be more are. aware. Yeah, maybe we need to be more aware of what they are. So yeah. So Whatever. anyway, as far as final battle goes, I mean, of the three American pay per views, I. Probably the best one because I thought the opener with Bandito and Flamita versus uh, Flip Gordon and Marty Skrull was a really good match. I almost went notebook on that. Um, you know, probably a little less. Oh, we should say the main event, Grapple Users. Again, you want to get on us for being negative? Okay. Look what we're given to talk about. The Grapple Users on Rush PCO 1.77. Okay. If you, if you present Joe and Rich with shit... We're going to describe it as shit. I don't know what you want from us. I, I you know, I, I, I can only tell you what I saw. So, um, anyway, uh, Bandito and Flamita versus Flip Gordon and Marty Skrull. I really enjoyed this. 
I went about 3.75 on this, and the Grapple users have it at 3.73. So I'm right in line with the consensus. Did you like the opener? Of I did. Yeah, I went, I went three and a half with it. I really liked it. I thought Bandito and Flamito were, looked really good as a team, and and again, Marty and, and and Flip I thought looked great too. And it's kind of a shame that like you know that this was it for Marty, and he was out of the door right after this. Well, presumably we'll we'll see in in in, in due time or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I thought this was pretty good, and uh, yeah, I liked it. It was it was, and this is why I say like the rest of the show I kind of in enjoyed i didn't like hate it i thought it was fine and the main event really kind of turned the table for me a little bit there's some stuff we're going to talk about that's going to really definitely put it as a negative but this wasn't one of it it was really good uh a match and yeah i thought bandito and flamita in particular looked really really good matt taven versus vincent rich i fucking love this i, I, <laughs> I was gonna say some good ass storytelling like I, this is how you do goofy dumb shit and make it good storytelling because it had logic to it joe Things that happened happened for a reason. It's so weird in 2019 that like this should have just been this should be commonplace. Every match should have a little bit of this. But no, we're gonna talk about this match, which stood out because it had references to stuff that had happened prior. Rich, this was so much better than Bray Miz, and it was basically <laughs> the same story. Okay? Balloon guy Vincent, horror Vinny, okay? Someone's stalking Taven. He can't figure out who it is. You know, his loyal friend Vinny is with him the whole time, balloon guy. Finally, Vinny reveals himself as the stalker and attacks Matt Taven with a fucking axe. And unlike other times where you see guys attack each other with hammers or axes, he literally attacked him with the axe and busted open his forehead with the blade of the axe. That was the setup angle for this match here at Final Battle. Does Matt Taven do his choreographed entrance when he comes down to the ring, when he finally gets a chance to get his hands on this man who stabbed him in the back, his good friend who turned on him, who had been stalking him all of this time, and attacked him with an axe? No! He charged the ring and went right after him like he wanted to God, fucking God, I kill loved him. it. I loved it. It's like, why is this so hard? It's not hard. Wrestling is very easy. When and then they had like so easy. a fight. And they fought. They didn't exchange arm ringers and, and throw on holds. They fought each other. And was this the greatest match I've ever seen? Hell no. Did it fit the story? Did it entertain the fuck out of me? Yes, it did. And then Matt Taven goes for the axe at the end of the match. He says, you know what? Fuck this guy. I'm going to use the axe on him. He busted me open. I'm going to bust him open. And being over aggressive and going for the axe cost him the match. And balloon guy Vinny wins. And then balloon guy Vinny sits up and he sticks his tongue out and he does that thing with his hands. I've been doing that to the kids all week. I love the balloon guy Vinny. I love horror Vinny. He does Bray better than Bray does Bray. Because they're not portraying him as something that is inhuman. He's just a fucking man who's unstable. And they're presenting him as a man who's a little bit off. Right? You're not supposed to think he's some supernatural being. You're not supposed to think he's in a fucking cult. You're not supposed to think he's a thing. You're not supposed to think he's like uh, some, you know, unpenetrable movie monster. He's just a dude who's a little off. And he's fighting his friend who he turned, who he, he stabbed in the back. And Matt Taven's going to have to figure out a way, uh, you know, to eventually get past this guy. And, it, and I can believe it. It's rooted in somewhat in reality. And it's the same story as Bray Miz, just a thousand times better. Because I don't have to suspend my disbelief to egregious lengths to understand it and get into it. They're not telling me people are inhuman. It's so bad that this is what we have to like. 
Yeah. Just this baseline of just competency is is is. But I'm with yes. you, man. I went like three stars with it, but it, like I loved it. It's one of these things where like as a match rating wise, I can't go much higher than that because the match itself it was fine or whatever. But it was like I was standing up and applauding. Like yes, basic principles of wrestling. This guy's pissed. Comes down to the ring, charges at him. They have a fight. He gets a little too cocky. Goes for the weapon. Doesn't work out. Vinny gets the win. The end. Like that's all it is. Vinny's weird. He's got dreads. He's kind of creepy. You're not quite sure what his vibe is, but whatever. And and there you go. It's it's not that hard. He looks like Rob Zombie. Yeah, he does. Here's the thing. Like, I'm I'd be more afraid of Vinny than Bray. Bray is a cartoon. I can't take Bray seriously when he comes at me wearing a Halloween mask. Vinny seems like the kind of guy where if you were walking down the street. You might go to the other side of the street. Yeah, he might chop your fucking head off with an axe. You're not quite sure, but you don't want to get on the other side of the street just in case. Like, Yeah, like he's like, that's because it's rooted in the reality a bit. Like, he's scarier to me as a character than Bray Wyatt is. And again, the WWE crowds laugh at Bray. They're not scared of him. They don't take him seriously as a heel. So yes, Matt Taven versus Balloon Guy was a better version of anything than The Fiend has done ever since they introduced that character. Can you believe that they, if this, this weekend was going to happen and we would leave this weekend <laughs> putting over Vincent versus Matt David? Hey, I've always been behind the balloon guy. You, you, you have been an ardent balloon guy guy for, for quite a while, so I can't yeah. uh, can't deny it. So, and, You know, I like horror, Vinny. And you're I like you're a hipster Vinny balloon guy fan, so I, I'll, I'll give you that. That's true. That's true. Before so, it was cool, yeah. Before. Grapple users 3.06 for... Uh, again, and what the Bray match get like one point two or something? Yeah, shit. some bullshit so, like that. Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, this was not so good, Rich. This uh, was the four worst matches. I I've never want to see people hit each other with stuff ever again, Joe. Can we? J- I just want wrestling matches. Here's the fourth one of the four worst matches of the year that all took place on one weekend. Uh, Bully Ray versus Mark Haskins. You want to talk us through this bad boy? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Was why? this even a match? Like, what was this? I don't even know what this just, was. People this hit each other with shit. And with the added bonus of Bully Ray cutting promos while he's hitting people with shit. Yeah, which he thinks is really like next level stuff. It's like yeah. fucking 1994 bullshit that he's doing that nobody gives a shit about anymore. How um, long was this? Was this like 16 minutes and 30 seconds? It felt every fucking millisecond of that. Of You're 16 30. I, I assure you that's how long it went. I would have, if, if you had told me, Rich, try to guess the match time, I would have said at least 27 minutes. This was 198 minutes. <laughs> I can't believe it was only 16. That's probably a Wikipedia error, but best part, kind of the, the, the cherry on top of the shit Sunday uh, was Mark Haskins finally, with the help of, of, of Vicky Haskins, gets Bully Ray down after after Vicky grinds his balls with a cheese grinder, and he goes, ow, oh, my balls! Ow, oh, yes. my balls! And he did it like seven times. Where was it? Like, what was... <laughs> God, he, he literally oh, I hate 2019 now. wrestling so much. He it's did so it bad. once, and the crowd popped. We got ah oh, my balls and the crowd popped. So we proceeded yeah. to do it like six or seven more times, and I go ah oh my balls. And to the point where the seventh time he said it, nobody made a single reaction. No one cared. Nobody cared anymore. It's like shut up. You yeah, had so it goofy. and you lost it. Yeah. So then he it goes to this table. Mark Haskins pins him. An old worker bully Ray does the three point one kick out. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck this. Guy. So bad. God yeah. Damn. Yeah. Oh my god. Can we talk about Rookie Doy and Ben K? This Dude. was my third dud of the weekend. I didn't give PCO Roosh a dud. I gave that like a star and a half. You got to give him a little for like, I guess, the effort of, of trying yeah, to kill himself. Yeah, they took but... some nice bumps and, you know, but this was my third dud of the weekend. Um, 
it was horrendous. It's it's it doesn't get much worse than that. Alex Shelley versus Colt Cabana. That's the end of Colt and Ring of Honor. I think that um, I think he'd be the perfect color commentator for the NWA. I mean, he's there anyway, and he's great at the job. Um, I know they've got Stu Bennett, who we will talk about. Um, but it looks like, look, Colt might, you know, he did AEW Dark this week. You know, he'd be a great addition to their broadcast team. Uh, but we'll have to see what happens. But he's done with Ring of Honor. He does the job to Alex Shelley here. Nice little wrestling match. Wasn't it nice to just have a nice little wrestling match at this point in the show, Rich Krejci? Yeah, it was It was good. Yeah, it was, you know, nothing that I really, like, loved. But it was just like, ah, it was a nice cleanse where it's just like Alex Shelley wants to prove, you know, that he's a good wrestler. And he, he calls out his old buddy, old veteran Cole Cabana, And they have a, you know, a six-minute wrestling match. And Alex Shelley beats him on the way out. And then Cole Cabana waves and, and goes bye-bye. And that's it. If I told if I told you that Maria Manic, that's her name, right? Maria yes. the Maniac or yeah. Maria Ma- Maria Manic, correct? Correct. Uh, if I told you that, despite the fact that she is on her second Ring of Honor contract, that this was her first <laughs> Ring of Honor match, would you believe me? I wouldn't unless I knew it. Yeah, it is. It is unbelievable, and I love how it's got to be a little tongue in cheek too, right? Because Ian and he he couldn't wait to tell you this is Maria Maddox's debut. We're seeing the first match ever from Maria Maddox. Like I, you know, and we we know Ian can can you know be a little tongue in cheek at times too. I think there was a little more overemphasis yeah. on it being her debut uh, to maybe kind of poke fun at it a little bit. But yeah, yeah. no, it was uh, it was a hell of a debut. I love this match. This was great. Eh, you know, it's what it should have been. You know, she kicked her ass and beat her yeah. when she was a sack of shit. And despite the fact that there was some, you know. Uh, who ran down? Uh, uh, Mandy Leon ran down. Is that who it was? Uh, correct. And, yes, of allure, uh, of allure fame. Mandy Leon. Allure, yes, allure. Um, yeah, so it was exactly what it was supposed to be, basically. So I don't have any complaints. I just it blows your mind that it was the first match that she's had in the company. Yeah, two contracts, on her one second match. Contract. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's impressive. Shane Taylor also on his way out drops the uh, television title. To Dragon Lee, good decision. So now, if they put the world title back on Roosh, right, they'll have both of the singles titles in Los and Gobernobles too, which will which will help their push. Um, nice little match. I mean, it went a little long for my taste, and it got a little sloppy at times. And I think they got a little. It was a little overbooked with the chain and everything towards the end. And if Shane Taylor is leaving anyway, can't Dragon Lee just beat him clean in the middle? Yeah, that, yeah. that was my one concern, is, is, is especially knowing that Taylor was on his way out. It yeah. was just like, why are we going through all this trouble? Just Dragon Lee just beats him and pins him in the middle of the ring. It's over. You, you know, like, just you don't have to protect Shane Taylor anymore if he's – like, yeah, that, that, that kind of got me. Because, no, I, I, you know, I watched it a few days after knowing that he was finishing up or whatever, where maybe in the moment you wouldn't have cared as much because it's like, all right, well, you're defeating Shane Taylor. He's had a pretty long reign or whatever. He's a big guy. If you got the big guy, little guy thing, you, you have to establish that. But if he's on his way out, I think the best thing to do is strikingly just beats him and, 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 and sends him on his way, but whatever. <laughs> 3.28 for the grapple users. That feels about right to me. And then we had the Briscoes successfully defend well wait they lost didn't they they uh why am i blanking on who won this uh jay Jay lethal and gresham beat them yeah 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 Yeah, they lost to lethal and gresham um this match made almost no impression on me which is why i couldn't remember who won um it was a nice little tag team title match yeah i I had the same thing as well yeah i went on you know grapple had it at 3.6 and i was just like i don't I don't remember anything from it i I have it at three stars so i guess i liked it enough but yeah it, it, it i'm left here on this Thursday, December 19th with 
zero recollection of this match whatsoever, so I don't know. I mean, it just didn't leave a much of an impression on me, that's all. It was a good match. It was a good match. Sometimes it's just a good match, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes you don't have anything else to say. What do you want me to say? Yeah, it was a it's, good match. we have to have a take on every single match. We I don't, yeah, I don't have a take on all these matches, okay? It was, it was a good match. It was what you'd expect out of these four guys. It wasn't the best that they could have done, but it was fine. It, you know, it was totally inoffensive, and to me... Um, you know, this this show had enough good stuff on it to where, to me, it was the best of the three American pay-per-views. We're going to pivot to the NWA into the fire, Rich, which I think you liked better than me. What did you think of this one? Yeah, so I I, I liked Into the Fire, and and, and it, it's one of these weird things. And this is this is the NWA, and I guess this is a good time to have this conversation because uh, I think you feel somewhat similar to me. But we, you know, I, I don't know if everybody's on the same wavelength of us with NWA because we have, for the most part, I think enjoyed NWA more than I don't want to say more than most people because we're in kind of our own little bubble. But it feels like you and I are are, are pretty positive overall on the entire company. And I don't know that everybody kind of shares that same idea with us. The thing is, I'm watching this Into the Fire show. And is there any match that I truly think was, like, great? No. Is there matches that I probably think are bad? Yeah. You know, Eli Drake and Ken Anderson wasn't very good. Pretty bad. But the thing with NWA, and, and I... I, I in that's, some like ways, the only, that's, like, the only one I liked. Oh, really? I yeah. I can't, wait to, I can't wait to talk about this show. But anyway, go ahead. But it, it, So the thing is with NWA, and it's the same way with the TV as well, is we come on here and I'll, I'll bury Ring of Honor and I'll bury New Japan and I'll bury AEW and WWE sucks and all this sort of stuff. For whatever reason, when I turn on NWA, whether it's the weekly TV or this Into the Fire show, for whatever reason, my brain goes into shutoff mode and I just kind of sit back, sit in my couch, eat my meal, whatever I'm doing, and I just watch it and it's over. And I go, that was fun. I'm glad I watched that and it's done. It's one of these things where, like, we have to be so critical about everything we watch now. And you said we have to always come up with takes and ratings and, and thoughts or whatever. And I watched these NWA shows. And, like, I didn't tweet anything out, but I, I was watching it. But I didn't feel compelled to say, oh, here's my opinion on this match. Here's my opinion on that match. Here's what I think about this match. I just, for whatever reason, and, and, and right or wrong or whatever, I watch these NWA shows. And they're, they're good enough. They're okay enough. They hit my sensibilities enough where I can just kind of sit back, enjoy, watch them. I call them, it, it's kind of like popcorn wrestling to me where... Yeah. It, you know, it, it's if it if it's entertaining enough for two hours, I'm like, yeah, it's fine, and I, I and it's done. Like, you know, if this was any other company, if the presentation was maybe a little bit different, I would come on here and say, oh, I didn't like the match or whatever. But it's fine. Like, I I, I I don't know why I'm the same way, and I'm, I'm curious if you are as well. And that's why when this is over, like, no, do I think it was a good show? Maybe not. Were there a ton of matches that I loved? No, not really. Would I ever watch the show again? Probably not. But I enjoyed it. It's a nice cleanse. Between all the other bullshit that we have going on in wrestling these days, it's fun to just watch a two-hour show that knows what it is, that doesn't try to be anything more than it is. They know that they're uh, you know, you know, a, a caricature of, of, of 80s TV wrestling, and that's what you get. You get a 2019 version of 80s TV wrestling. And they do that, and that's fine. Is this one of the best pay-per-views of the year? No, absolutely not. Is there any match that I'm going to recommend for match of the year or say that you have to go out of your way to watch? No, but like for two hours, I was entertained and it was over and I clicked off and I said, ah, you know what? I didn't waste two hours watching that. I'm glad I watched that and then I moved on with my life. And sometimes I, I, in these days, being what we are and doing these podcasts weekly or whatever, I clamor for these shows where I can just watch and not feel like I need to have a take, not feel like I need to examine everything that they do. And right or wrong, I just treat it as popcorn wrestling. I watch it. It's over. I go, ah, that was entertaining. I'm glad I watched that. And then I move on. Well, it, it fits that Hooters analogy we just made. It's just, it's adjusting your expectations for what you know you're getting into. And I think I totally understand why a lot of people don't like the NWA and, and don't watch it because it's definitely not for everyone. I mean, if you're looking for high work rate or 
innovative stuff or you're not going to get that. And I, and I get why you wouldn't like the show. Um, so I totally understand. And I don't, I would never argue with people that it's, it's something that they, they need to watch and they're, 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 you know, you just don't get it. No, it's, it's definitely an acquired taste. And I'm a lot like you. I just, I adjust my expectations and, um, I know what I'm getting into when I watch it and I happen to enjoy it. I like the aesthetic and I like that it's so much different than everything else. And I think that's kind of what you're getting in, getting to when you say you, you get to turn your brain off. It's just so much different that to me, it's a nice break from a lot of the other wrestling uh, that I watch. And I would watch it by choice, even if we weren't doing this show. It's just, it's an easy watch. It's the easiest hour that, of, uh, you know, I like that it's promo heavy. And I think all of the promos are generally very good to excellent. Right. And, and that's not um, to interrupt you, but that is one of the things like when you watch 80s territory wrestling or whatever, you watch 80s TV wrestling, like the promos are, are, are what's important. The matches are secondary to the promos a lot of times on yeah. these pay-per-views. Yeah. Ideally, you want to ramp it up for the pay-per-views. You want the matches to be more important or whatever. But at the end of the day, they give me six minutes of a match and then a guy comes out and he screams and he talks about how great he is. And I'm like, you know what? I like this. This is good. It's simple. Yeah. It's just A to and B. Min- a to B to C. And, it's perfect. And six minutes is long. I don't even <laughs> right. know how many matches they've had that have gone six minutes. But again, it's it's the that's the you gotta adjust to their canon and their universe, right? The matches are gonna be sub five minutes. Um, so you have to kind of adjust even your brain from that perspective too. Um, but as long as there's consistency within a universe, then that's fine. You know, my problem with the pay-per-view is I thought it was boring as shit. And I expected more once they had two or three hours, I don't even how long it was, to work with, that the match the match quality would improve drastically. Now, the problem was on paper, there wasn't much here that looked like it could be really good. And not much of it was. Um, but I was really bored by the pay-per-view. So I don't know if I'd call it bad, but it was definitely boring. And I think... If Marty Skrull hadn't come out at the end, they would have had a really rough time with reviewers. And I think the energy coming out of it would have been, wow, the NWA had a really boring pay-per-view. As opposed to everyone was talking about Marty Skrull showing up in the NWA. It consumed the wrestling universe for those couple of hours and into the next day. The fact that he's a free agent and, yeah, he worked the Ring of Honor tapings the next day and all that. And we, we should talk about Marty a little bit. This is a good time to do it. Um, look, he's not going to sign with anybody right now. And, you know, he's he's going to be a presence on this NWA show at least for the next month. And he's probably going to headline their next pay-per-view while also working Ring of Honor. He's still a Ring of Honor title holder, you know. And he did a job at the Ring of Honor pay-per-view. He, he got pinned in that match. And that was a good move by ROH in case he doesn't re-sign with them, right? So they're being careful too. And it's like... You know, ultimately, it sure seems like, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, I think Ring of Honor is the favorite to sign him, especially at this point, um, you know, dealing with the aftermath of Final Battle. But getting back to the NWA, I think the Marty Skrull appearance really saved that show because then people were talking about the show in a positive light. Wow, they got some juice. Marty Skrull showed up. That really injected them with some juice that I'm not sure that they had before. And they had a really good episode one of their season two. I don't know if you saw it. So they've sort of, with Marty Skrull and the good episode that they had of, of their TV last week, 
Um, I think they've kind of put the Cornette stuff behind them, and it's it feels positive again. Whereas for a few weeks there, it really felt super negative. Yeah, no, I, I've not watched. I haven't watched this week's, so I, I, I can't speak to that. But I've I've heard good stuff about it, and and yeah, I kind of agree with you a little bit in the extent of 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 I think a lot of my positivity towards this show is when I watched it. I watched it immediately after I watched TLC. So it was like the cleanse of just like, yes, just like basic wrestling and, and promos and colors and like energy was, was fun. It was like, Hey, the crowd's making noise. The wrestlers are, 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 are making noise and the matches are short and the crowd really likes the, and the heels are heels. And the baby faces are baby faces. It's like sometimes the simplicity is what kind of attracts me to it. But no, I, I agree that the pay-per-view itself, I would never tell anybody to go and rewatch this pay-per-view again. You know, I'm glad I watched it, but I'll never re, I'll never go back and watch this ever again because there was nothing, there's really nothing you can stand, really point to and say, okay, that match. Yeah, that's one you got to see. And that's a little bit of an issue as well because I said, like, you know, the TV, I like it. It's six minutes, guy comes out, he screams, and then he goes out, and then new guy comes out, he screams, and he has a six-minute match, and then he comes and he screams again. Like, that stuff's good. I like that. The problem, though, is this pay-per-view, you know, for the future, they need to ramp off for these pay-per-views a little bit. And this is going to be a big issue with NWA is can these guys ever really go in the ring? Well, th- this wasn't a good card on paper, and I think that was part of the problem, Right, too. right. But do they have a good I- roster to ever have that sort of show? Well, I don't even think it's the emphasis. That's part of the problem, too. They're never going to put a card together thinking, is this going to be a good in-ring card? I don't think they care. Right. It's just that's not the kind of product it is. So it's never going to be the top-of-line emphasis to put together a card where, okay, we've got our big storylines, but on you know maybe on the undercard we should put some stuff on there that's going to be good and exciting. I don't think that's the emphasis, and it never will be. So I think if you're going to get good pay-per-views out of them, it's going to almost be by accident. And I thought that the 70th anniversary was a pretty good show. And some of the pay-per-views they've had before they had TV were – they were better than this one. I think this was their – I enjoyed this one the least out of all the pay-per-views they've done, which is weird because this one had all of the TV build. But – I don't know. You want to go through these matches real quick? Yeah, then... yeah, I don't think I have a ton to say about any of the matches. So, yeah, we can we can breeze through them pretty quick. I mean, because there was nothing even approaching like the Cody Aldis match at the 70s. Oh, God. oh, Jesus. God, no. Nowhere near. I mean, this promotion has had pay-per-views that had great matches on it. I just This just wasn't it. And, you know, they did do entrances with entrance themes. So they did make it feel a little different. And the matches were longer. I just don't – just for me, I, I, felt, I found the show very boring. Let's go through the matches and see where we differed. All right, so, so we had Eli Drake and Ken Anderson starting us off. See, I thought this was okay. I thought this was like a good like TNA TV match from 2016 that was like three stars. That was inoffensive and didn't knock my socks off, but and I liked the finish, you know. And then they did a blow-off match on the TV this week where it seems like Drake is finally finished with Mr. Anderson because he got attacked by Anderson later on. And they had their blow-off match on the TV, a false count anywhere match or whatever it was, no DQ. And Eli beat him definitively again, so I think he's finally done with him. And that match was pretty good, the match on TV this week. But Eli Drake is just so much better than Ken Anderson. I, it's like it's crazy because Eli Drake's not exactly a super worker, but I feel like he has to carry this guy. Um so I think it's better that Eli Drake is is now moving on to working with some other people. But I, I thought this was okay. This might have been my favorite match on the show from a bell-to-bell perspective. But I guess as we go through it, maybe I'll 
changed my mind. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. I think maybe, you know, 10 minutes might have been a little too long with these guys. But, yeah, it was it was a decent opener, and the crowd had good energy throughout it. But, yeah, it's not a match that, like, I really thought was, like, good. But I, I, I don't know if I hated it. But, yeah, it wasn't, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Thunder Rosa, Tasha Steeles. Was, uh, was next. So I thought it was very smart that they gave Tasha Steele some promo time before the match because this was her debut and no one knew anything about her. So she cut a nice little 30 second promo. What a novel concept. AW, are you listening? <laughs> like... Yeah. So she, you know, they had a, you know, she cut her little 30 second promo and got herself over and then they had a match and the match was fine. So. Yeah, nothing else I can really say. I, I like Thunder Rosa a lot. I, I think she's pretty solid, and I think they know yeah. what they got in her as well. And, and I think Tasha Steeles has some good potential as well. But this is exactly what it was. Thunder Rosa beat her. Tasha Steeles has to wait her turn. She's just new. She just debuted, and they're building yep. up Thunder Rosa for, for the future. So, again, yeah. one's sensible booking, pushed. smart booking. That's all you want. So Yeah, one's getting pushed, and one is brand new. Yeah, so uh, the question mark with Aaron Stevens versus Trevor Murdoch. He uh, the question mark defeats Trevor Murdoch. This was this bordered on silly and bordered on kind of comical, but it also for whatever reason it kind of worked in this universe. What would you think of this one? The question mark is so over that everything he does works, and they weren't expecting question mark to be over like this, so they're just going with it. And Trevor Murdoch, I think, is arguably the best wrestler on the roster. And he would either have to be him, Starks, or Cabana. Do you agree with that? Who am I missing? Oof, that's pretty bad. <laughs> that's true, but you're right. You're not wrong. It's by Starks, Cabana, um, Murdoch, and then I don't know. The homicide. Royce Isaacs. Not 2019 homicide. No, I know. Yeah. Um, would you throw all this in there? I think those guys are better than all this. Nah, I, yeah. I I'll buy a little bit there, and and I I don't know. Um, but anyway, yeah, this was this was entertaining because the crowd is into everything that question mark does. And this is going to be Trevor Murdoch's spot. You know, he'll be a guy who does jobs to the heels and, um, you know, is there to be a good, solid veteran hand. So. Uh, then we had the Rock and Roll Express defeating the wild cards to retain their tag titles. I know when we were doing the preview for the show, you thought uh, no doubter at the wild card, sh- or maybe not no doubter, but you thought the wild card should win. Uh, what do you think about the Rock and Roll Express retaining the titles over the wild cards? I was surprised. I didn't read the results of the taping to see if they got them off of them there. Cause you know, I, it's not like I actively avoid the spoilers, but I try to, um, but yeah, I was surprised. I thought they'd put them back on the wild card and then wild card on the episode one, of the new season, they, you know, they formed that heel faction with Nick Aldis and, um, and, uh, the woman that doesn't talk, uh, what's her name? Camille, Camille and Camille. Um, so they've got plans for wild card, maybe that don't have anything to do with the titles, but again, I didn't read spoilers. Maybe they are the ones that beat rock and roll express. I, I don't know, but this was, this was surprising. And, um, look, rock and roll express doesn't try to do too much, particularly Gibson. Morton can still wrestle. Yeah, Morton I mean, can like Morton can legit go. I mean, he did like a, yeah. a, a fucking suicide dive or a tope in here that looked like good. Like I don't know why. Like I'm sure he's sore the next morning, but yeah, he's he's fine. Like he's he's a completely adequate pro wrestler in 2019. Yeah, and he does Canadian destroyers and everything he does looks good. And um, he's not good for an old guy. He's just good. You know, uh, you throw him in there with Starks, Cavana. Yeah, and seriously, yeah, you're right. He might be the top five. He might be a top five worker. Uh, yeah, company. I think he. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I was a little surprised that they retained the titles. Uh, Allison K and ODB versus Melina and Marty Bell. Uh, I think the less said about this match is probably the better. Well, it's obvious Melina can't go anymore because they barely let her in the ring. Um, ODB was the other big surprise. That's fine. I mean, the crowd popped. 
but I mean, what do you want me to say? Yeah, about there's this? nothing to say. It, it, it is not when, when Marty Bell is the super worker of your team, you know that. Uh, oh, yeah, and she stinks. She is so bad. <laughs> I, I, I contend that there is no worse. Like, I, there's, there's probably people that have been worse than her, but there's nobody I've seen be worse than her for the last, like, decade. Wow. She's not new. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, I have been seeing Marty Bell on my TV wrestling for, what, five, six years at this point now? When was, was your last Impact yeah, I mean, run? Like, I, and I've... TNA with the dollhouse. And, right. Uh, like, she's been around forever. Ball, right? <laughs> like, yeah. She's 2015. She debuted in 2015 with TNA. Yeah. It was bad. And she's still bad. <laughs> Never got well, better. She, she was like, oh, it would evolve, too, right? Yeah, like, right, right. Yeah, we could probably go farther back. I'm sure I've been seeing her for, for a decade now. Yeah. Never improves. Worse. She tried to do a like she tried to do an, a, like a, a a rolling elbow in this match and missed by like seven feet. I don't I don't understand how you do that. Yeah. Uh, just lay it in. Just hit me. It's a rolling elbow. Like you're not punching me. It wasn't great, Rich. It wasn't good. Uh, Aaron Stevens defeats Coco Band and Ricky Starks uh, to win the NWA National Championship. What do you think about this? We we both no. thought Ricky was the right way to go, but Aaron yeah. Stevens is the way they decided to go instead. But now it looks like. You know, they're rolling out this TV title, and Starks is in that tournament. He's facing Eddie Kingston in the first round. And then they had Nick Aldis do a promo where he he basically endorsed Starks as well. So maybe they have bigger plans than this national title thing for him. But the best wrestling on this show was Starks and Cabana for like a five- or six-minute stretch. And then they did the thing with Aaron Stevens where he was hiding behind the Christmas tree, and he stole the win, and he stole the title, which is not for me at all. Um, I think Aaron Stevens is like one of the worst things about the show. Um, but to be fair, this really got heat from the crowd. Like the crowd is into the idea of booing him. Right, right. And, the crowd hates him and the crowd does In the thinks, right way. Yeah, exactly. So it's one of these things where it's like it doesn't work for me. And this is what I mean about the NWA. Like I would like to say, oh, that fucking terrible idea. Why are they going with Aaron Stevens or whatever? But you listen and the crowd's going fucking apeshit for Aaron Stevens. So it's like, all right, well. You know, yeah. I guess go with it. Yeah. I mean, go for your crowd. Go with, you know, th- there's an energy in that building that they, they kind of cultivate and they, they work out. And it's like, yeah, if that crowd's going that way, then yeah, don't fight them. You know, go with it. Yeah. I'm like, I would pick Ricky Starks over over Aaron Stevens. But yeah. And, and as far as the TV title, I, I don't love the idea of there being so many titles in this company either. Too I wouldn't if I was someone who was going to put a lot of critical thought into the NWA. I really don't care. I, I it, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's yeah. On the surface, I agree with you, but then I'm like, but who cares? It's this little one hour show that I don't know. It doesn't bother me. Right. Yeah. Maybe, and, that, and that's well, fair. I get it. The other thing too, is like when I saw them roll out this week, the names and the guys came out and they all cut promos and stuff. And I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of got excited for the tournament. So, um, We'll see. What they should stop doing those three-way matches. I don't think it fits the aesthetic. No, it, yeah, it, it, no, it did not. They had the, the, the Zicky Dice. He beat um, C.W. Anderson and Sal Renaro in a three-way qualifier. And I'm like, I don't like seeing three-ways in this company. It just it bothers me for some reason. Well, I know the reason, but it bothers me. Yeah, and then you had Nick Aldis uh, defeating James Storms two falls to one uh, to retain NWA World Heavyweight Championship, and and this was, I mean, we, we then we saw, you know, I, I didn't watch this week's TV, but like this was all sort of building towards the main event angle uh, on the TV as well. But yeah, I know, I mean, it was, it was a fine match. It was okay. Um, 
the ending kind of stunk and it, it left the crowd a little underwhelmed. And then uh, obviously it's all playing up to the, the angle with, you know, all this and, and, you know, the, on, on power or whatever. So it's yeah. one of those ones, like, again, like that's not a match I would ever, ever recommend anybody go and check out 22 minutes. I would say it was probably bad. Like it was probably a bad match, but uh, overall though, I, I thought the show was pretty good, but yeah, the, I, the main event just didn't click for me. And I, I really didn't go in anticipating a, a two out of three falls match with Nick Aldis and James storm really clicking with me. And, and it was exactly what I thought. So the main event was not a good match. The, you know, Tim Storm ended up not turning and just being, you know, his good boy self. And like you said, then at the TV, they did the big angle where the new heel faction beat up Tim Storm and that got a ton of heat because Tim Storm, I mean, honestly, he's probably the most over babyface on the show still. I mean, there's just something about him that's inherently likable. So it's easy to get heat, you know, on Tim Storm. Um, you know, so, but it, it's weird, like, AEW's most over babyface can never challenge for their world title again. And the NWA's most over babyface can never challenge for their world title again. Isn't that weird? How both oh my God. Yeah, you're right. I never made that connection. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah. that was the NWA show. It was, I don't know. I just thought it was boring. I mean, it was fine, I guess, but um, I don't know. This is a show. we got we got to okay we got to get some some fun in here the last half of the show so let's let's go here we got a, a little bit of time left uh, let's talk about uh, oh jeez <laughs> terrible transition but uh, let's talk about the death of Moondog Rex and Rene Goulet oh god that's the <laughs> I don't know where to go like what's wrong with you I know I'll... I thought you were gonna do Dragon Gate <laughs> do you okay. want to do Dragon Gate and oh, let's do Dragon Gate you want to do Dragon Gate I don't want to end with death do we want to end with death or or, or... Okay, so we, we could do it quickly. So Rene Goulet is a guy who most people probably remember as as an agent in WWF, where he was doing. The, he was the guy with the wacky blonde hair, mm-hmm. right, and the glasses. That would be part of the pull apart. You'd probably know him if you saw him. And um, you know, but at the at the early days of the WrestleMania era, he was sort of this veteran wrestler who you know was still kicking around. Uh, you know, from the uh, from a previous era. Really, he worked for Vern Gagne for a long time. He worked AWA a long time, and I know he worked for Crockett for a while. And he was actually, he won one of the first, if not the first world tag leagues when it was called something else, as with Andre the Giant as his partner um, in New Japan, too. So Rene Goulet was a guy who bounced around the territories, AWA, Crockett. He did some Japan stuff. I think it was called the MSG Tag League. Uh, it was, yeah, it was the MSG Tag League at the time. He won the 1981 uh, MSG Tag League. And there's some pretty fun teams in here. There's Andre Giant, Rene Goulet, uh, Noki and Fujinami, Bad News Allen and Pat Patterson, Kinect and uh, Super Makina, I think, uh, Ricky Choju, Yatsu. Yeah, there's some pretty fun names here. Samoan 1 and Samoan 2 in there as well. Stan Hansen and Dick Murdoch. Yeah. Hell, hell of a stuff here, but yeah. So, yeah, 1981 um, MSG Tag League, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, with Andre, obviously he was the, I don't know how many matches they lost in that tournament, but he was obviously the pin eater. Um, But, yeah, he's a guy who um, was never a major star in any of the territories, but, you know, bounced around, got his, probably started in the 50s. And then, you know, by the time WWE went national, he was kind of older. He's probably in his early to mid-40s by then, or at least his late 30s, probably in his 40s, though, by then. And, you know, Vincent... K McMahon, you know, the Vincent Kennedy McMahon, he kept all those guys around, your Tony Gurias and your and your uh, Rene Goulet's that his father might have used in years past. But because those guys were older and had like dad bods, you know, he didn't, he didn't push those guys. They were used as like, 
not enhancement guys necessarily, but prelim guys. You know, they would lose on TV, do jobber to the star stuff, and they would go on the road and wrestle each other in the early prelims. And that was kind of Goulet's role. And then eventually all those guys, Goulet and Tony Gurria, they retired and became agents. And then for years you would see them, you know, go down and do the pole parts and stuff. So, um, you know, he's got some stuff on the network, but it's late career stuff when he was basically used as a prelim guy. If you really want to see peak Goulet, you'd have to dig deeper and go look at find some Crockett stuff. Or New Japan World probably has, I would think, some of that stuff from oh, the that's early. Interesting. Let me, yeah, let me see. Let me do a little search there for Rene Goulet and see if he even comes up for anything. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, he was never like considered a super worker, but it would definitely be a better uh, picture of him than you would get just watching him, you know, lose on house shows. Yeah, you'd watch like a Boston Garden show where he lose, you know. He, Lose the land of or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So they actually, there's only one Rene Goulet match on New Japan World, but it's uh, December 10th, uh, 1981. Oh, it's the final of the MSG League. It's uh, Inoki and Fujinami versus uh, Andre the Giant and Rene Goulet. So, yeah, which I'm sure is Rene Goulet selling for about 17. <laughs> I was going to say, probably. Yeah. That's, you know, so, you know, but, you know, they ended up winning that match, obviously, and winning. And I believe that was the first tag league in New Japan. I believe it was the first. I believe one. that's true, too. Yeah. I so, clicked out of the window, but I'm almost positive. So that was Rene Goulet. Now, Moondog Rex. Uh, that of course is uh, uh, Randy Colley, right? Was his uh, was uh, Moondog Rex's uh, shoot name? This was a guy who was part he just a, a classic tag team wrestler. I mean, if you're a WWF fan, you remember obviously the Moondogs, uh, Rex and Spot were the longtime Moondog team. They were the ones that also went to the USWA and you know had those blood feuds down there in the early '90s. That was the combination. But originally. It was Moondog Rex and Moondog King. And Moondog King, I think, was in trouble with the law or he was a Canadian and couldn't get over the border. That was Sailor Ed White. And I don't remember the exact reasons, but they couldn't book him anymore. So they replaced Moondog King with Moondog Spot. And then it was Moondog Spot and Rex, which became the most famous version of the Moondogs. And there were tons of other Moondogs. I mean, eventually Spot went away and he was replaced with Moondog Spike. You know, in the in the USWA days, and then uh, there were many versions, but Rex seemed to be, uh, you know, sort of the connective tissue. He was part of most of the most well known Moondog teams, including the one with Spot in the uh, in the WWF. But you know, he was part of other teams there too. Obviously, pre WWF, he was part of a couple different versions of the Assassins. He was in one of the versions of the Spoilers. Uh, so he has a long history of being a tag team wrestler before he even got to the WWF, you know, bouncing around the territories. And then, of course, he was the original Demolition Smash. And he worked the first couple tapings. The problem was, as the story goes, the fans recognized that he was Moondog Rex. And they were chanting Moondog at him, and Vince McMahon got shook. And he pulled him out of the act, and he replaced him with Barry Darsow, and you know the rest. So that became the more famous version of Demolition and um, he was out, and that caused a lot of bad blood later on down the line when it became a successful team. Um, but he did stick around the company. He moved on and uh, became part of one of my favorite tag teams yeah. that nobody remembers, The Shadows. Okay, So The Shadows was Moondog Rex and Jose Luis Rivera. Jose Luis Rivera was another one of these prelim guys. He would do television jobs, but he would also go on the road, and he would wrestle – Iron Mike Sharp and, and all of these dudes in the prelim matches on the house shows. And then he would do jobs on TV. And they paired up Jose Luis Rivera with the former Moondog Rex and they formed the Mass Shadows. 
And they only lasted a couple of months, but they were on TV a ton. And I am still on the hunt to this day of footage of the Shadows winning a match. I've never seen the Shadows win a match. If you look at the match records, they did win a few dark matches and such. Um, but I, 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 that is like my personal holy grail is to witness the Shadows winning a match. I want to see what they used as like their finish. You know what I mean? Like just th- th- that kind of intrigues me because, you know, this was a team that I saw doing jobs in early 87. And then what happened from there is they came up with another idea for Jose Luis Rivera. They ended up moving him into a team, the, the Conquistadors. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so that's what ended the shadow. He was number one, right? Was that official? I forget if it was official who was one or who was two. I think he was number one, right? Rivera. Bulldog Rex is shadow number one. No, no. I mean, Conquistador number one. Oh, and Jose Luis Rivera was shadow number two. And I don't I know. I thought he was Conquistador number one, but I guess I, I, I don't know if that's ever official, but. Which would be a nice upgrade from Shadow number two to Conquistador number one is. Yeah, I I, I don't I I don't know, but um, the other Conquistador, of course, was Jose Estrada, who was another guy. Same thing, uh, you know, a guy who did TV jobs, but was a prelim guy on the road, and all these guys would wrestle each other. I love those house show matches with like, you know, Moondog Rex and Jose Estrada and Jose Luis Rivera and and Tony Gurria and Lanny Poffo and. And uh, Rene Goulet and, and and Pete, the Duke of Dorchester, Pete Doherty, you know, these older veteran guys who, you know, and, and you'd get a chance to watch them wrestle for 20 minutes. A lot of times they'd have time limit draws, but a lot of times you, it's the only chance you get to see these guys win, you know. And when you're a kid, you'd see these guys do jobs on TV and it was intriguing watching them wrestle each other like in Madison Square Garden because you're like, wow, I don't know who's going to win this one. Like this is, either one of these guys can can win this match. But um so yeah, Estrada and Rivera formed the Conquistadors, and I think at that point, Moondog Rex was done uh, for the most part with WWF. Spot at that point may have done some singles jobs, but both of them moved on. And then again in the '90s, they you know wrestled what was left of the territories, mo- mostly the USWA. Though I think they did some Smoky Mountain shots, yeah, too. some Continental as well. Uh, I, I think yeah. they did, but yeah, not much. Whatever was left of the Southern Territories, but they're, they're very well known for their work in the USWA. Because they had that, those blood feuds with Lawler and, and Jarrett and all those guys. And they really had a career resurgence down there uh, with those matches. But, I mean, when you look at a Moondog Rex, whether it's the Moondogs or the Shadows or, uh, you know, uh, the Assassins or uh, the various teams he had with uh, Jim Dalton, which would be like the Spoilers and I think the Medics and teams like that. Uh, really a prolific tag team wrestler from about, you know, the early 70s well into the mid-90s when the Moondogs finally uh, ran out of steam. And I guess they, you know, most of those guys got too old to work. But, um, yeah, he died and I think he was, what, 69? Yes, uh, yes, 69 years old. Yeah, he, he unfortunately passed away. Uh, December fourteenth, and and I know I remember he had a a, a brief run in WCW too because I always remember Halloween Havoc nineteen ninety. I think he loses to Junkyard Dog. Uh, on that oh show, shit! So. I forgot about that. The yeah, Desperados. Yeah, and oh, and the Desperados too. Yeah, I forgot about yeah. those. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a different thing too. He's yeah, Dead Eye right. Dick, right? Wasn't his name? Dead Eye Dick. Dead Eye Dick. He wrestled as Moondog Rex in WCW, though, right? I think you're right about that, and. Then there was the whole Desperados thing, which I completely blanked on, which was like the the thing they did with Cactus Jack and he had amnesia. Remember that awful storyline? And it was uh, Dead Eye Dick and Black Bart and Dutch Mantel 
right? Where the, the uh, dust Yes, I believe yeah. so. And it did not last. I mean, it was a gimmick that went nowhere. And um, but yeah, I forgot about that. He did do some WCW stuff. Now that you mention it, I forget that, how long that match was. I mean, that, that's when they were trying to put Junkyard Dog over to get him ready. You know, <laughs> it was not going to work in 1990 to kind of tap into the the JYD uh, hysteria uh, that, that was in the 80s. They tried to do it again. I think he. I, if I remember correctly, yeah, he beat him in like a few minutes. Moondog Rex, as they were kind of building up JYD, but yeah, that's that's kind of where I remember him the most is that is, is that Halloween Havoc 1990. Um, that which, would make sense for you, yeah, like because you know, and I, he did have that WCW run in '90 and '91, yeah, and, and for someone like you at your age, you're not going to remember the Moondogs in WWF. You're not going to remember right, and even in my rewatches, I'm usually watching like pay per views. I'm not like, all right, here we go, Boston Garden, yeah. <laughs> you know, 1983 house show. Let's see what we got here. Like, I know that stuff's on the network, but I tend to gravitate more towards like pay per views or whatever. So yeah, pretty early in my you know days of wrestling watcher, I, I knew about Moondog Rex, but I only knew him as you know guy who lost to JYD at you know at Havoc '90. So. Yeah, and the early Moondogs pre, you know, with Vincent K. McMahon were tag team champions level. They were champions. Yeah, they, they won the title, yeah. Yeah, but by the time Vincent J., Vincent Kennedy McMahon took over, like he beat down, they, they moved down the card. And like you said, they weren't a pay-per-view act, the Moondogs. You know, they would do TV jobs and they would work the house shows and they'd win now and then on the house shows. But they, they I don't think they ever worked a, a pay-per-view into the pay-per-view era. Uh, even though they were around. And he was also Detroit Demolition, I think, in Continental, um, you know, playing off the idea that he was originally part of Demolition. So he's one of these guys who just, in the Territory era and into the 90s, he just wrestled as a million different gimmicks and mass, and, you know, was a masked wrestler under a bunch of different, you know, so he would pop up a lot um, in a lot of different places. And, you know, really one of those guys that, you know, it would give a territory some flavor. He'd come in as part of a tag team or under a mask or with face paint or whatever, just popping up in WCW in the early 90s. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I even think um, he may have even done some indie shots. I, I don't know if it was him or another Moondog. Yeah, so I, I, I tried to look at it while you were talking there, and it looks like he ended, or the last thing that Cage Match has at least is 1997 uh, in, in USWA Mid-South. Uh, was was the last time he wrestled is, is is in those promotions, and then it doesn't show anything after that. That's not to say he didn't pop up on you know some random indie in some random town or whatever, but yeah, nothing nothing that appears on Cage Match. So yeah. So anyway, that was uh, Moondog Rex and Rene Goulet, just some wrestlers from uh, my childhood that I wanted. To, and I guess he had that run. I think he worked for Watts too. He worked a lot of different territories, like you know. So. Um, you know, I, he, you know, I think he worked for Watts in the in the eighties too. But um, anyway, I guess we can move on to what do we got left? Dragon Gate, right? Yeah, Dragon Gate. Yeah, we were going to talk about Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, but we're probably going to shelf that. Uh, if you want, though, subscribers, patreoncom slash Wrestling. I'm planning on doing a a, a big show. Uh, touching on kind of the stats, the the biggest higher, you know, the biggest movers, uh, the biggest fallers, you know, in terms of, of, of wrestling observer Hall of Fame. So if you want to listen to that, we've done most of our Hall of Fame coverage on the Patreon. So I think we, we're going to try to get to it this week, but there's too much else going on, and uh, we need to we need to cleanse ourselves with some Dragon Gate. So we're gonna we're gonna instead shelf that. Uh, you can listen on Patreon.com/slash Voice Wrestling five dollar tier. I'll look for that sometime in the next few days uh, as well. So so real quick, I, I pulled it up because I was curious. The WCW '90s run. Came in as Doctor X, and they. Paired- <laughs> I don't remember that at all. <laughs> well, well, here's what they did. He basically just worked house shows. They paired him with El Gigante, which tells you a little something. You know, they respected this guy as a veteran worker, 
and they stuck him in there with El Gigante to work house shows, right? And um, and do a bunch of jobs to El Gigante and kind of walk him through the matches. And then when Junkyard Dog shows up, they take the mask off of him and he starts working his Moondog Rex on TV and at that Halloween Havoc that you're talking about. Because I guess they felt it was a natural thing to have the Junkyard Dog go against the Moondog Rex. You know what I mean? So that's interesting where they brought him in as just this masked guy to walk El Gigante through some house show matches. And then they figured, ah, this is a natural feud for the Junkyard Dog. So – uh, at that point, they put him on TV. That's why you don't remember Dr. X because he really didn't work. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense for sure. Yeah. Oh, boy, that's awesome. But uh, all right. Yeah, let's get to uh, – oh, we, we should point out as well the Rene Goulet thing. Uh, we're talking about him now. Apparently, he died in like May and nobody knew, which is kind of terrible too. That you know, It's one of these things that doesn't uh, – comes a little bit late. But we do know the news now. So, yeah. But, uh, go, yeah, check out – I'm curious what that uh, uh, New Japan match looks like. Uh, like you said, it's probably just Rene Goulet laying on the mat selling for 18 minutes. But, hey. All right, yeah. let us cleanse ourselves with Dragon Gate, Joe. There is still good wrestling in this world, and it's Dragon Gate. Why, why do we do this to ourselves and not just watch more Dragon Gate? We didn't even preview it last week. I We totally we whiffed. whiffed. I didn't even think of it. I felt terrible. And then we finished the show, and then Case Lowe and Mike Spears said, hey, here's our preview for Final Gate. And I went, motherfucker, I forgot Final Gate. I, I just forgot about it. Yeah. yeah. And we shouldn't. We should never forget about Dragon Gate ever again, because Dragon Gate is always – it's it, you have, 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 have mentioned it many times. It is always that steady girl that no matter what, you always try the flings – you always try the, you know, the, 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 oh, this, this girl's really hot. Let me see how this works. And you always just f- end up going back to Dragon Gate. It's always there. It's always reliable. And you just wonder, man, I should just marry this. You know what I mean? I should just yeah. settle down and marry Dragon Gate because it, it, it never lets me down. It's always there for me. And, it, know, and, and, like- and, and the fling, and, and you get back into it and you're like, yeah, you know, I do love this. I do love her. Like why do I get, why do I seek out alternatives? Like this is it. This is it. Like, AEW's got the big tits. And right. The sex, right. And the sex is really good at first, you know. But then you find out that AEW is fucking crazy. And you gotta get as far away from AEW as you can. And who's always there waiting for you? Dragon Gate. A solid seven. You get along, the chemistry is incredible. The sex is really good, even if it's not the greatest sex you ever. It, but it's always there, and it's reliable. And good you conversations. You laugh together. You like the same yeah. foods. You know, it's it it, it it You know, they like the same stuff you like. You can just sit on the couch and and watch a movie, and everything feels good. And you're like, fuck, I should have married Dragon Gate. <laughs> you know, but then marry Dragon Gate eventually finds someone else, and they marry her, and now you're just, you can just be friends. Now you just have to be friends with, and now you can't even have sex, with Dragon Gate. You know, and now that, that's out. But Dragon Gate's so fucking cool that she's willing to be friends with you, even though you ran off and had your little fling with AEW. You know what I mean? So it's uh, or if you ran off and did coke off of Zona Twenty Three's back, <laughs> right. it's you know Dragon Gate's still gonna be there waiting for you. You know, and and nurse you back to health, and and sh- Dragon Gate will be who's waiting there at the front doors of the rehab facility. When you're done doing coke, right? Get you, give you that ride home, settle yeah. you down. Yeah, and you just think, God, I really blew it with Dragon Gate. You know, I should have, I should have stuck with Dragon Gate. You know, but uh, but yeah, and they had Final Gate. And were you surprised that Doi beat Ben K? I was, and then I and then I kind of wasn't. And this is one of these things where it's a little interesting. And I know Case Low, who, who did the review for VoicesOfWrestling.com as well, must read review by the way. I, every time a uh, big Dragon Gate show, he did the Doy Dart show the next day uh, as well at VoicesOfWrestling.com as well. We nobody covers Dragon Gate like we do. Nobody ever. 
open the voice gate, case low, Mike Spears, those guys, they, they absolutely kill it. But uh, he brought up a good point, and, and, and it was kind of what I thought when the match was over as well. I had that initial, oh, my God, I can't believe they had Ben K lose. But then, and, and I'll give credit to, to, to Lenny Letter and Larry Dallas, who did the commentary for the show, and did a tremendous job, by the way. The, the, the jitters of their first show, the kind of the, the unevenness or whatever of that first show was, was long gone. These guys were in tip-top shape here uh, for the show. They, they are, did an incredible they are, job. They are, they are so good, and they have such unreal chemistry. Like, you can tell that they're friends. Yeah, exactly. It's just and, two guys, like, riffing on each other watching wrestling, you know. And they have great chemistry, and they're such opposites in personality. Like, Lenny Leonard is the nicest guy in the world. Everyone who knows him loves him. He's a great stand-up guy. Larry's Larry. You know? <laughs> <Right>. and, <laughs> Lenny's and, the guy Larry, that has to bail Larry out of. Yeah, Lenny's got to bail Larry out of jail, you know, occasionally. Yeah. And go, yeah, no, yeah, he's my friend. I, yeah, I know, I know. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it won't happen again. No, I know, I know. <laughs> you know? And Larry's going to listen to this, but Larry knows he's Larry. <laughs> right. You know, and, and Larry leans into the fact that he's Larry. And he, he's, like, just subtle enough with the heel stuff. Like, like, they do this running bit where Larry's, like, he roots for red, right? But he always slips up and says he's part of red. And then Lenny's like, I got you. You just said you're in red. And then Lenny's like, no, no. Larry's like, no, no, no. Don't put words in my mouth. Did you notice that running bit they were doing yeah, with like, the red thing? And, and they have such good chemistry that they can pull off those bits seamlessly without even planning them because they just know each other so well. And I don't know if you've ever seen Lenny and Larry together in real life, but it's the same fucking thing. Like, like Larry says something dumb and Lenny rolls his eyes and everybody it's like, and they bring that chemistry to the booth and they're so good together. And Larry takes the job so seriously. You, he just, it, it oozes through how seriously he takes it. And he, you can tell he loves what he's doing. And that's so important. You know, he, he embraces the job and he does his homework and he's got the, the history with dragon gate and, and Lenny is just such a pro rich. How great, was Lenny's call when Doi won the title. That was as good, and I don't say this lightly, that call of that title switch was as good as the great sports calls of all time. I I really believe that. I was so blown away by how great his call was of that title change. And he's like, we got a new champ. And then he let it settle. Mm -hmm. And then he retained his Silence spoke louder than his words could speak. Yeah, perfect. Yes, and then he got back into it, and he, he showed the excitement that he showed, and and Larry stayed out of his way. You know what I mean? It's so easy for the color guy to stomp all over it, but Larry stayed out of the way. My God, they're a good pair. They are just so good, and and it adds so much. And this is something Dragon Gate has been missing because it's a hard promotion to get into to just jump in without the English commentary. It's just. It's not easy. It's all thick with history, and the wrestlers work so fast. And it's it, it, it's this is such a boon to Dragon Gate to have English commentators, and I really hope it works out and that people try it because it makes it 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 just makes it so much easier to follow, even for people like us who know what's going on. I can only imagine how much easier it is if you're just parachuting in 
or you're giving it a try. Yeah, DragonGate.live, by the way, is their streaming. Because we had a lot of people go, I didn't even know they had a streaming service. And it's not a great streaming service, but it's, it, it, it's looking better lately. Uh, and the English commentary is going to help. And, and from what we've heard is uh, 2020 is not going to be a year where they're going to do less English commentary. We'll just say that. I don't know exactly yeah. the details there, but uh, it is something they know about and they're going to do a little bit more of. So I, I think you know signing up will obviously uh, show even more support. But yeah, go, go back and watch this and listen to the English commentary and you'll be, you'll be in. But no, what, what they were bringing up a lot as well, and I think it was Larry that was doing it, was talking about everybody that Ben K has beat on this road here. He's beat Pac. He beat the unbeatable Pac. He beat Yamato. He beat Mochizuki. He beat Yoshino. And now he's trying to beat Doi. And the idea that he didn't beat Doi is actually, to me, it was like, oh, you know what? No, he shouldn't beat Doi right now. Because then what do you have left for Ben K? If Ben K in his initial run with the Dreamgate goes through Pac, Yamato, Mochizuki, Yoshino, and Doi, what's next? What's the next step then for Ben K if he does that? There's really nothing else. He's beat all the big dogs. He's beat everybody then. So it's one of these things where like he almost kind of re- – I don't want to say he's reached his expiration date with, with this title reign, but he reached whatever he could do before you you enter him into this just like next-level, ungodly, best-of-all-time, oh, my God, he's beaten, he slayed every single beast or whatever. Now you got this little caveat here. Okay, Doi, who who you know hasn't been able to win the big one, who hasn't been able to win the title in years and years and years or whatever, shocks the world, wins the title. Now Ben K's got to regroup. Ben K's got something to achieve now. Hey, I beat all these other guys, but I haven't beat Doi yet. So he's got to work yeah. himself back up. And it's like, all right, no, that's a great story, actually, to tell here. You're not saying that Ben K's done, that he was a failure as champion because he beat all these big dudes. You know what I mean? They would have done that. They would have pulled the plug after the Yamato win or whatever. They would have pulled the plug after Mochizuki. Obviously, they believe that he's still a, a, a big guy, but they need something else for the future for them. You can't have this 20, what is he, 26 or whatever? This 26-year-old can't run through every one of your top guys and just be there because then what's next? Who faces him? You know, is he this unbeatable champion that, that, that just cannot be defeated by anybody? No, you need something there. So I like this idea. He reaches expiration date. The veteran Doi, you know, got the monkey off his back, won the big one. Now he is a champion. You know, he came into the decade as champion. He leaves the decade as champion. And yeah. now Ben K has something to achieve. Ben K goes, all right, look, I beat all the other guys, but I haven't beat you yet. So whenever that time comes that he's ready to face him again, it'll make it that much sweeter when he goes and he beats him. So I, 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 yeah. I the initial shock of Ben K losing was a lot and then you really think about it and you think how this company usually books and it's like no you know what that's fine because they're not he's not dead he's not buried he's not done there'll be another day for ben k that's your big key what you just said there the way this company books if it was another company i'd be very suspicious of this and might not be fully on board with it but i trust dragon gate i trust them in a a spot like this because they usually do the right thing and the other thing about it is ben k is a made guy his his win over Pac, Pac did so you know, we talked about it a million times. Pac did so well in protecting that title and then, you know, putting over Ben K as the guy who finally toppled him. And then Ben K's run since then, he's a made guy. So I don't worry about Ben K losing any steam by losing this match. That's the other factor involved here. So, and then there's always the possibility that Pop, that uh, Pac pops back in, you know, so that'd be something else for him to do as well. Um, but yeah, I didn't have a problem with it either. And the match was pretty great. And obviously the big spot was Ben K going for the spear and Doi just kicking him in the head. I mean, that, you know, and that turned the match around for Doi. And, um, you know, that was just an incredible spot. That's probably the the gif that people see, you know, uh, bouncing around, um, you know, over the match. That was the big spot. And um, the match delivered. Ben K has delivered as champion. He has uh, been firmly elevated into a top dude. And I like that on this show, especially early in the show, a lot of the young guys in the new generation picked up wins over some of the older guys. And I think that was important as well. 
Um, we saw the tag team titles, the Twin Gate titles change hands. We saw the Machines finally lose the, the Triangle Gate titles. Um, so this was a show of transition, and the entire company has basically been reshuffled as well. Yeah, if the, the next day on Doy Darts, yeah, things got completely reshuffled. Units got broken up. Units have been yeah. created. It's now kind of like this this triple feud between these just gigantic units or whatnot. And, and yes. I did want to mention this too that I think Lenny and Larry did a great job of mentioning this as well on the show is that Ben K and and, and it's a nice little it's again it's a nice little caveat and it's a nice little story thing that you can use is that he is not in any unit. He decided I want to fight alone. I don't need any other friends. I don't need other units or whatever. And Lenny and Larry were, were, were really good about saying like this guy's been fighting all his battles on his own for the last you know, a few months or whatever, where all these other guys have backup, all these other guys have friends that can come in and guys that can help them and tag matches or whatever. Ben Case has been doing it all on his own and he, he got exhausted. It was just like at the end of the day, he's been fighting so hard by himself, being the valiant champion or whatever, and it just caught up to him. And Doy just beat him on this day. And it's like, yeah, there you go, man. You know what I like? Even if that wasn't the story that they wanted to tell, because Dragon Gate is logical enough that like you don't roll your eyes when that story you're, you're like, yeah, you know what? I can buy that. I can buy that Ben Case tired. You know, Pre- precedent matters. Right. We talk about it all the time. Yeah, so that was, yeah, the match itself. Go out of your way to watch that main event in Rookie Doi uh, versus Ben K. Um, you watched the rest of the show. I saw some other stuff on this, but I have not seen the rest of it. Anything else that you would say people uh, absolutely, absolutely go out of your way to check out? I mean, there weren't other any other matches that I would call great, but everyone always says, I want to watch Dragon Gate, but when do I jump in? And they're intimidated. This is perf- This show is perfect. This is one of those perfect jump points that we talk about every couple years because everything got reshuffled the next day. And we saw a bunch of title changes on this one as well. And a lot of the young next generation that we've been talking about for years were really given a spotlight to shine on this show. So I would go back, if you're looking to jump in, order the service for the English commentary, but hurry up because I think you only have seven days to watch stuff when it's new. The service stinks. No, it's, okay? it's still bad. Yeah, they, they need to, there's a lot of work that they have to do with it. It, it. it doesn't translate very well. It's hard to kind of figure out where you need to go. And yeah, the the... The actual presentation is like the video's up for, like you said, like a week or whatever, and then it goes away, and then you got to wait like another month or two or something. Or yeah, whatever. It's, it's, it's silly. It's not like New Japan World where everything is just there once it's there. So you want to order it, watch the show. Uh, you got the English commentary to help you. Watch the Corkin. That was either the next day or the day after, whatever it was, where they reshuffled everything. You got the clear units now, the Ultimo Dragon guys, and then um, the other dude. Yeah, it's like split like three way. And then there's guys who are still unaffiliated. So this is a perfect time because there was a heavy focus on the youth on Final Gate and then everything got reshuffled the next day. This is when you want to jump in because you can start fresh and, you know, um, all the stories have started over. They press the reset button, which Dragon Gate does every, you know, 18, 24 months or so. You know, they go through this, you know, so you'll get in on the ground floor on all the new units and all the new stories. Absolutely. All right. Anything else on uh, Final Gate? No, I mean, I'm upset that the, the fucking machines lost. I was the last guy that enjoyed them. Oh, okay. I'm kind of... I, I like them, but I'm kind of... I was kind of ready to move on from them a little bit. Yeah. So I, yeah. I didn't hate that. I didn't hate it, but uh, yeah, I'm kind of ready for them to do something different, so... I like Larry's bit, too, when, when Super Machine J came out, and he goes, yeah, Super Machine J, uh, Rookie of the Year, Tokyo Pro Sports Award. I won Best American Commentator in those awards, so we went out and partied all night. You know? <laughs> It's just, it's just that dopey throwback heel shit. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's, it's he's, he's very good. He's very, he's very endearing in a weird. Larry yeah, Gallagher. yeah, yeah. Well, that's like the classic heel thing is, is you just believe your own bullshit. 
You just yeah. say stuff, and and people go, "No, nah, it's not. That's not true." And he goes, "Yeah, it is." Like Jericho did on AEW this this week, where yeah. you know he, he he bailed on Jungle Boy and was like, "Yeah, I won the match." They're like, no, you didn't. You left. He's like, ah, "I won the match." It's like you know, but I love that. Like, it's not evil. He's not trying to kill anybody. He's just a fucking asshole that just believes his own bullshit. That's kind of hilarious. He's just like this this pompous jerk that just believes his own bullshit. It's perfect. I love it. There's kind of a gorilla Bobby element to Lenny and Larry. You know, I, I don't want to put them on that pantheon they wouldn't even think that that's fair but you get the idea like there's it's kind of that element there yeah where, where there's a straight man who's just like oh, i can't believe you just said that <laughs> like right. yeah. Yeah, exactly without it being egregiously over the top either it's just it's just enough right they're not arguing with each other they're not like the corgraves cole thing where they're just screaming at one another it's just occasionally larry says something and lenny just goes "Ah, that's no (laughs) like that's not what happened like that's not true no you're lying and he's like no i'm not and it's just like okay whatever get back to the match (laughs) and he's not doing the full-on heel thing and so then when he does talk about stuff like you can he gives you enough of a rope where you're like oh he's right most of the time but why is he saying that no that's not right like he's lying and then yeah it's it's perfect he's yeah so there's still some credibility there but yeah Great team. Yeah, DragonGate.live, by the way, if you want to check that out. Uh, definitely recommend it. Uh, also, uh, as we said, open the voice gate here on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. Uh, the previews and reviews we do for every Dragon Gate show as well. Nobody covers Dragon Gate like us. And and we, you and I need to talk about Dragon Gate more in the next year because um, it makes me happy when we talk about Dragon Gate. It's fun. It's good wrestling. And the other stuff was not fun. So, oh, my God, it's over. Finally, a show that I've been dreading for, <laughs> for a week. So sorry we were so negative. But as Joe said, what the hell do you want us to do? Everything was terrible. Everything was bad. I uh, do want to thank our sponsors on the show, Manscaped, manscaped.com. Promo code VOW gives you 20% off and free shipping. Get that lawnmower 2.0. Make your balls feel, smell, and look great. Also, Grapple, G-R-A-P-P-L. Uh, you want to download the app. Get your match votes in before the end of the year because they're going to do the Grapple 50, the 50 best matches of the year, the, the 50 best wrestlers of the year, and the Grapple 100, the 100 best matches of the year. But they need your ratings and your stats uh, to pull those numbers there. And also the filter feature, like we said. It's the end of the year. You're trying to catch up on promotions. Hey, Dragon Gate, you get that DragonGate.live, and you want to say, hey, what is the best stuff from Dragon Gate this year? You go to that app. You filter it out. You see the best of the best. You haven't watched All Japan this year. You subscribe to the All Japan streaming service. You do the same thing. You filter it out. You find the best. Or if you want to find out what you rated the best, you want to go back and do a rewatch, filter out by your ratings. It's nice and easy. Uh, a great way to kind of end the year out and kind of figure out what you rated stuff and, and, and which matches sort of emerged as the best. But that is it for us. So, Joe, you have a great Christmas. I will talk to you again next time for Joe Lanza. Rich Krejci. Voice of Wrestling. Bye. All right.